Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a special end-of-year wrap-up edition of Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damas Cleary. I'm Broderick Gordis. What is grief, if not love, persevering? Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, That's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing and generally consuming. In this very special 2021 wrap-up episode, we'll also be discussing the year that was in TV, including our favourite shows, biggest surprises and what we're looking forward to in 2022. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners, so if you'd like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast just like new listener of the show The Trap Cycle did on Twitter. Uh, this is more of a comment than a suggestion I must say but even so The Trap Cycle writes I've only just begun listening to you guys and I have to say I'm very fucking impressed with the way you guys do your reviews. Truly awesome content. You guys deserve way more recognition but also Damask has a really sexy voice just saying. How do you feel about those comments Damask? I mean, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I, um, you know, I, I always just bring my authentic self to the podcast, um, but it's, it's, it's nice to have a fan. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about, or they're talking about, or she's say, talking I'm not, about. I, I'm not sure we I should shoot it to hate. I don't know the gender. Um, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I think I've got a very annoying voice, but I, you know, I don't want, want to um, diminish someone else's perspective or view on life um and if they think i've got a sexy voice good on ya (laughs) (laughs) who are you to say otherwise thanks for the kind words the trap cycle and welcome to the podcast uh very happy to have you as a listener uh and i did send a reply to the trap cycle actually about this uh i'd love to know where people who are just finding us how they find us is it Mm. through someone recommending us do they find us somehow through itunes or spotify would always like to know speaking of spotify yes we love itunes reviews please also consider if you have spotify reviewing us giving us a star rating a five star rating ideally um on uh, spotify as well that goes a long way to helping us find your new listeners just like the trap cycle let's get into headlines starting with news in fuller what I'm only doing this basically to have one for the end of the year. There is fuck all news around right. Brian Fuller at the moment, but there was a headline uh, that Brian Fuller's Christine, which we talked about, he is mm-hmm. making a movie, a remake, I guess, or another movie version of the um, Stephen King book, Christine. Uh, the headline is, Christine will be horny as hell. So there you go. That's that's the final bit of Great. Brian Fuller news for the year. <laughs> Thanks as relevant for as a bringing gut. it to us, Brad. Appreciate no that. No worries. Thought that was important. All right, real <laughs> headlines. Starting with the biggest story of the last week, uh, R.I.P. Betty White, star oh. of The Golden Girls, died at age 99 on New Year's Eve, just 
under three weeks from her 100th birthday. Um, how do you feel about this news? Damask, obviously sad. I'm assuming you're <laughs> celebrating it. Fucking ecstatic. Finally, we took the bitch down. No, obviously, that's not my reaction. I, w- <laughs> I was at a New Year's Eve party um, just hanging out and then a girl I was there with, She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, what? She's like, Betty White's just died. I was like, what? What? That can't, ha- that can't be true. Um, I don't know what time it was in WA. I was a little out of it at that stage. Um, but, yeah, so she told us. I was like, oh, fuck, that's crazy. That's insane. And then we turned to the other people in the group like, oh, my God, Betty White died. And no one seemed to, like, really respond with the right amount of oh, my Godness. And I get that she's old sure but still it's it's a, it's a shock sure. um so then me and this girl sent a very drunken um video message to my friend jojo in melbourne because we knew he'd appreciate it um just ranting and raving about you know what her <laughs> death meant and i haven't rewatched the video because i'm too afraid of <laughs> how, how it looks and sounds um but yeah it's very sad obviously the next day did a Golden Girls marathon, which I'm sure a lot oh, of nice. people did. Mm. Uh, just, yeah, she was great. And Golden Girls is such a fucking good show. Oh, my God. Really holds up. Obviously, there's an episode here and there. You're like, oh, boy. Um, but gen- generally, really great. And I just I just thought she was wonderful. Um, but she lived a very long and happy life. So, for that, I'm very glad. Yeah. She has an incredible career. About 80 years in show business, essentially. Mm. And has kind of been there for, I wouldn't say the start of television, but has from early days of television has mm. had a presence doing um, uh, live on air stuff, the Betty White show, she had a talk show of her own, which didn't last very long. Obviously, lots of time in sitcoms, Golden Girls being the most famous one. She's in something like 30 films. Um, I didn't watch, I've been watching a lot of clips of the Golden Girls on Twitter because people keep posting bits of it as they sort of mm. revisit the show as well. And I would like to, I know it's on Disney Plus here. Um, but I ended up watching that she's an episode of Community, uh, see, oh, episode of one of season two. So I was like, well, that's that's what I'll go watch. Yeah. As yeah, the, everyone seems to have had an episode of Community, so it's a good place for me to go as someone who's a massive <laughs> Community fan. So I went and watched that. Um, yeah, very sad. I think it's at that age, it's easier just to celebrate what a person she was. But it comes with a shock because when she's been around your entire life, and she was old when I was a kid. It kind of feels like maybe they just don't die. It's kind of mm. how I feel about Queen Elizabeth. Mm. It's when she eventually dies, it's going to be a very weird experience as someone who is a part of her her empire, essentially. We are part of the Commonwealth. Mm. Um, I can't imagine when our coins and money start having King Charles's face oh, on it. Oh, God. Yeah, that's going to be really, really I'm, weird. I'm converting to Bitcoin at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought, have you ever heard of the commentator's curse? Do you know what that is? No. It's it's a thing where in sport where commentators start talking about something being inevitable. It's famous in cricket when a um, like a batsman is coming up on their century, 100 runs, and they'll hit mm. 99, you know, sorry, sorry, like 95, 96, and they're like, oh, yeah, when they hit that century, they're going to raise that bat. It's going to be an event. And then, of course, they immediately go out. Mm-hmm. It's like... I feel like that's what happened with Betty White. There was all this attention on her making 100 in a few weeks. Everyone was talking about it. And then, boom, she's gone three weeks out. So, we collectively murdered her. Commentators cursed Betty White. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I'm a bit sad about that. Um, In other sad news, um, 
Valet Jean Jean Marc Valet, um, who is director of Dallas Buyers Club, Big Little Lies, and Sharp mm. Objects. Two of those are shows we've uh, reviewed on the podcast, and he also directed the film Wild. He died at the the age of fifty eight. Yeah, very um, young. Which is very, very young. I, I haven't looked into the circumstances around his death. I'm not sure if they're even publicly known. Um, but that seems very, very sad. And, and it, we didn't always love everything, uh, particularly about Big Little Lies. We weren't big fans of season two. Mm. Um, but I'm actually not sure if he directed season two now that I remember. It might have been a different director. Um, and But season one of that and Sharp Objects were both fantastic. And I expected to see a heap of Jean-Marc Vallée going forward. Mm. Um, yeah. This is a bit of a shock. Yeah, it it is very sad considering that he was making a lot of stuff over the last um, few years and a lot of stuff that was really well regarded. He was doing some great stuff. So, yeah, it's it's really sad to see that kind of cut short. But, you know, he was at the, the height of his, you know, career and talent as far as we know. Yeah. Um, so it's not a bad way to go out, but clearly, yeah, just way too soon. Absolutely. The other really big story of the last month has uh, involved some spoilers for Sex and the City sequel series and just like that. So mm. if you don't want to be spoiled at all, if you've somehow avoided this news, um, skip ahead a couple of minutes. But uh, the other RIP from this last month is that Mr. Big uh, Carrie's husband in Sex and the City and then and just like that mm-hmm. died in the first episode, was it? Because yep. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Died riding his Peloton exercise bike, mm-hmm. um, for and just like that in the in the in the pilot, this was followed up. Obviously, it was a bit controversial um, because he died riding a Peloton, probably the most famous, expensive, most brand recognized exercise bike slash exercise equipment in the world mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. Um, so imagine Peloton with like, yes, we got that sponsorship deal on that new Sex and City show, only to kill a main character in the pilot. Hilarious. It was pretty yeah. hilarious in its own way. Mm-hmm. This was followed up by a few days later, scrambling to take control of the narrative. Peloton releasing a hastily put together ad showing actor Chris North with a younger woman having a drink in front of an open fire and talking about riding their Pelotons with Ryan Reynolds' voice over it, spruiking the health benefits of the exercise bike and that he's alive. Mm-hmm. This video was shortly taken down a couple of days later uh, after Chris North <laughs> was then fired from the Equalizer. I believe it's North, bro. Oh, North. Sorry, Chris yeah. North. That will be uh, Google uh, Docs. Yeah, that yeah. is <laughs> correcting it. these for me mm-hmm. as I've written them out. Chris North fired from the Equalizer after the Hollywood Reporter published allegations of rape uh, in 2004 and 2015 from two separate women. So that was a roller coaster of a story, as you said. Oh, um, boy. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. So all of a sudden, Peloton's the hero for killing uh, Mr. Big. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> the whole narrative changes before their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot. Because, <laughs> yeah, the and just like that episode happened where Big dies. And I was like, what the fuck? And that scene in and of itself is uh, <laughs> confusing, to say the least. Sure. Uh, it was a very weird scene. Um, and then, yeah, obviously then Peloton came out and I was like, ha, ha, ha. But I was mostly just like laughing with my friends about the fact that Big Big was dead. Mm-hmm. And then we were sharing stuff. And then all of a sudden, like just after I'd shared something, I was on Twitter and then it was like, you know, Chris North is a rapist. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then I had to go back <laughs> to my friends. I was like, I sent this like before I knew he was a rapist. Like... <laughs> I'm not making light of it. Like things are happening too quickly. I'm sorry. I haven't. I haven't kept up. Um, but yeah. So fuck him. Bye. Bye. Bad. Big's dead.
some quick announcements as well. A British version of Saturday Night Live is apparently in the works. So, you a fan of Saturday Night Live, and how do you feel about the idea of a UK version of that show? Um, am I a fan of Saturday Night Live? I could never bring myself to watch a full episode. That seems like a lot of like sure. watching people try to be funny for a really long period of time, um, which is stressful, as you know. I don't like being stressed, nor do I like live things. Um, that's a <laughs> yeah, big... it does add a, mu- a lot of stress levels mm-hmm. to it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I do like watching from time to time like SNL clips on YouTube. Sure. So, kind of, maybe, but mostly no. Yeah. Do you, Does the idea of a UK version of Saturday Night Live interest you at all? Does that make sense to you? I mean, I think of like... So many of the British like comedians and like improv actors and stuff that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, I think they're certainly capable of it. I don't think they need a British version of Saturday Night Live. It would just be like just a British sketch show, right? Yeah, making it Saturday Night Live is interesting. Apparently, this isn't the first country to do their own version of Saturday Night Live. Mm, Others have as well. Um, But the UK is an interesting thing just because I probably know their talent a little bit better. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm keen to see who the cast is. With Saturday Night Live, though, I feel like mostly it's up-and-comers, right? It's like Saturday, Saturday Saturday Night Live is a platform for comedians to then sort of create their own careers after Saturday Night Live, it feels like, rather mm. than to go, you know, people don't start already a star and then mm. come to Saturday Night Live unless they're hosting for an episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I do like the British sense of humour a lot more than the American mm. sense of humour generally. So, yeah, maybe so. I'll enjoy the writing more. So maybe. I'll enjoy the show more. Yeah. Be interesting to see what that looks like. Uh, Wilma Valderrama is bringing back Zorro for a Disney Plus series. That's the actor who played um, Fez, yeah. is it, yeah. in uh, that 70s show. show? Yeah. Uh, he will star as the Master Vigil- Vigilante and executive producer series. I kind of think we're ready for a Zorro, another Zorro TV show. I feel like that's a Of all the series or all the properties and IP that you could start making movies mm-hmm. and stuff about again, it's probably about time for another Zorro, I think. I have opinions about Wilder Valderrama. Is that his name? Wil, Wil, Wilder, sure. Wil, yeah. Wilma. Wilma Valderrama. Wilma. Sorry. Um, his friends call him Will. Yeah, cool. I'm not his friend. <laughs> um, I, uh, I am suspicious of that man. Suspicious? And I will tell you why. Ooh. Look at who his partners have been for the last, I don't know, since he's become famous. They are all much, much, much younger women than him. Uh, okay. Just, le- you know, eight, I'm talking like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Gotcha. It creeps me the fuck out, um, particularly when a lot of those women um, or people, I should say, because uh, Demi Lovato was an ex of his, um, people who I think have experienced like quite a bit of trauma and yeah, some stuff going on. I don't know. I, I'm, su- I'm just going to say I'm suspicious of that man. And Wild I, speculation. No yeah, accusations being made. All I'm, no, all I'm saying is that he dates much, much, much younger women sure. to the point that they're so young that it makes me uncomfortable sure. and questions things. Um, so for that reason, I won't be watching it. I can't look at his face. And when it makes Damascus uncomfortable, you know it must be bad. 
<laughs> Wait, what is that mean? <laughs> In release date news, How How I Met Your Father season one has a uh, premiere date of January 18th on Hulu. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance we'll be reviewing that when the whole thing is out. After Party, uh, this is the Lord and Miller TV show that we've talked about previously, uh, has a release date on January 28th on Apple TV+. Plus. I'm looking forward to that one in a big way. I imagine that'll be coming out week to week as well because I think that's how generally Apple Plus does their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. That's the one that sets like a high school reunion. It's like a murder mystery, yeah. like a parlor murder mystery sort of thing. And every... I think every episode is a different character's perspective of the night and it's sort of like a different genre of film, which will be interesting as well. Killing Eve Season 4, also the final season of Killing Eve, will premiere on BBC America on February 27th. Once again, I, I, it's another one of those shows. I swear it had finished already. I thought we'd done the final season. I'm so confused, but okay. Okay. And sent in by listener of the show, GJ Corbin, Atlanta Season 3 will premiere on FX uh, with a 10-episode season on March 24th, 2022. Taking place almost entirely in Europe, Season 3 finds Ern, Alfred, slash Paperboy, and Darius, and Van in the midst of a successful European tour as the group navigate their new surroundings as outsiders and struggle to adjust to the newfound success that they had aspired to. I don't know if you remember how that season ended, but it I think it involved them getting on a plane to start a tour or to go to Europe for a tour. And I know that's how Mrs. Maisel ended, so I'm sure they ended the same well, way. Well, they didn't get on the plane in Mrs. Maisel, if you remember. They were about to get on the plane. Wasn't Diff- she on the plane? Nope. Did not get on the plane. She got was going to get on the plane and then wasn't allowed on the plane. She wasn't allowed on the plane? She wasn't allowed on the plane. God, my memory's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's a different show. Uh, Atlanta season three, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Feels like it's been ages since, since season two came out. Can't wait for that. In cancellation news, Netflix cancelled Cowboy Bebop, that live action remake. It's gone. Mm-hmm. No one cares. Actor Jay Johnston, who voices, this is a different sort of cancellation, who voices Jimmy Pesto on Bob's Burgers, has reportedly been fired from the show after attending the Capitol riots on January 6th last <gasps> year. <laughs> oh, what a Crazy fucking idiot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Moron. <laughs> he was FBI suspect 240-something or something like that. And everyone's like, that's the guy that plays Jimmy Pesto. And then, yeah, he's not going back to Bob's wow. Burgers, apparently. So, there you go. In casting news, Nick Offerman is now joining HBO's The Last of Us as Bill. Now, if you've played The Last of Us, uh, part one specifically, uh, you'll remember Bill. He's sort of a, a survivalist who's riding out the end of the world with his partner, Frank. And that Frank will be played by White Lotus's Murray Bartlett, who mm. played Armand. That sounds fucking great to me. Yeah, cool. um, I'm, I think it's going to be a really, really fun pairing of those two because they're both great comedy actors as well. Not that... I- I suppose that character was, or those characters were funny in some senses, but I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Uh, Con O'Neill was originally cast as Bill, but according to Variety, he had to drop out of production due to to scheduling conflicts. Uh, And the series, based on the hit video game, is expected to air in late 2022. So that's coming up this year as well. Uh, In other news, Variety is reporting that HBO is in early development of a Six Feet Under revival. Did you ever watch Six Feet Under? No. I think it's on our list of things that we were meant to watch. From what I understand, having never watched it myself, it apparently has a pretty definitive ending. And mm. uh, this makes as little sense 
to revive as any show I've heard of being getting a revival recently, um, from what I understand. So that's interesting, but I suppose if it's got name recognition, it's got to be remade. So that'll be interesting. Uh, And also sent in by GJ Corbin, uh, we just, we just keep, or me specifically, just keep getting wronger and wronger about Squid Game as creator. Wang Dong-hyuk has not only confirmed the hit Korean series is getting a second season, which we talked about last month, mm. but also a third they're now talking about. So oh we're going to have a lot more Squid Game yet. That's uh, fine. I, can we like not review it, though? <laughs> we don't have to. Yeah, I'm we not really interested in watching the next seasons. Damask, what have you been watching? All right. So the other day I popped on Disney Plus and started watching Ron's Gone Wrong. And so this is a, an animated film um, about a so everyone in the world, you know, sure everyone's got phones, but we've moved on to the next greatest thing, which are these tiny, cute little bubble robots that every kid has. Um, it's just kind of like a super cool version of a Tamagotchi, almost like it's mm-hmm. just a best friend. Every kid's got one. Um, they can have like their own skins. Um, they kind of. They take all your online data and make um, a best friend for you from that data. Um, So every kid has their own special best friend. Of course, there's one boy whose family doesn't have a lot of money, um, who doesn't have one, but he does get one that his dad finds somewhere, um, who's called Ron. And this movie, I cried about, I don't know, 17 million times in it. It is uh, very much like similar story to E.T., Got obviously mm-hmm. a boy and his weird best friend kind of, you know, having to hide him a little bit on the run. It's a, it's a solid film. I'm, it makes me sad that it didn't have a like cinematic release. I think it, you know, mm. kind of deserved that. It's, it was really, really moving. It was certainly a children's film, but mm. didn't have, you know, as so often Disney does so well. It, I think it's got that balance where, us as adults, even childless adults, can watch it and love it and absolutely fall in love. Um, I certainly preferred it to Encanto, which I also attempted oh, yeah. to watch but couldn't finish. Really? You it just was, do not like that Lin-Manuel Miranda, do you? It was so bad. It was really? so bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's on my list of things to watch. Okay. And I really wanted to like it. I was excited. Like, fuck yeah, new Disney, awesome, pop it on. The... um. How can I how, how can I say this? <sighs> well, one obviously the songs suck; they are so bad. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, just absolute shit. Um, but then we also had characters making emotional statements through songs, like say, oh, "I'm going to give you my like deep dark secret or greatest fear," unprompted, like just from like a very casual conversation, as though. You know, they could have told you at any point in their lives. It was like there was a missing element of like tension or sure. emotional honesty. Um, yeah, I just thought it was Paul. It was shit, really. <laughs> I thought it was shit. Um, but anyway, that I wasn't even meant to talk about that. Um, I just want everyone to go out and watch Run's Gone Wrong because it's a very, very sweet film. Um, just a simple, sweet story. And yeah, like I said, I cried a billion times. Run's Gone Wrong. Mm-hmm. Is so it's it's on Disney Plus, but it was mm. a Fox animated. Oh, that's right. Show. I did remember that because I remember watching it being like, um, what was that one with the electronics take over the world? 
uh, Mitchells versus the Machines. It reminded me of that a lot. See, I was, I, I've not seen Ron's Gone Wrong, but the poster or the image on mm. Disney Plus made me think a lot of Big Hero 6. Um, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, true. And like the Baymax sort of as the, mm-hmm. ro- you know, the robot friend he's got to hide and is a bit quirky and is like, you know, well-meaning or whatever. And I was, I got that sort of sense from it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um. So cool. Good. I, and I love Mitchell versus the Machines. So that's good to hear. Yeah. That it's comparable. I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. Don't think of it. It's not going to be like the greatest animated film you've ever seen, sure. but just like solid. Yeah. Uh, Encanto, to come mm-hmm. back to that for a second. I, I remember you ha- didn't love Moana either. No, I didn't. Now, I remember Moana you didn't have, you didn't love because I don't think you thought there was a lot going on story-wise in that. No, there wasn't. Is that a similar problem for Encanto? Like it's missing like a narrative drive? Um, or the character is missing like So I got about 45 minutes into the film and at that stage not a lot had happened. Right. Like not a lot had happened at all. Um, so I can't even speak to that. I just know by the 45 minutes I was like – I hate the songs. The characters aren't very interesting. Um, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, maybe I'll I'll try and sit through it another time. But, yeah, I can't even – I just – yeah, it wasn't enjoyable for the first 45 minutes, but I can't really yep. speak to, like, the overall plot because that's sure. not fair because I don't know, yeah, how it changes throughout the film. Uh, what else have you been watching? I uh, smashed through Witcher Season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and- I know Fred of the Pod, Paul Mitzi, hates The Witcher. <laughs> Fucking hates it. Uh, which means it must be good, everyone. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. I, I understand the criticisms of season one. You know, they had like a bunch of different timelines and it was pretty obscure and like, what's happening? But I just enjoyed the fantasy element of it anyway. So I, when season two came out, I was very excited. Um, Angela and I loved watching the first season. So we were very excited for season two. Popped it on and oh, just like solid fantasy. It's it does it is cool and dark. There's one episode in particular. I think it's the first episode, which is incredible. Um, it is cool and dark, but it also does have those elements of the '90s fantasy shows we used to watch, like Hercules and Xena and stuff. There's a little bit of that element in there, which I don't mind. It's a bit camp and silly. Um, they still have the bard character who's fucking shit and they've put him in the worst wig. The worst wig. Oh, God. He looks like it's, – it's so weird. He's a bard, but they've given him like a 2005 simple plan wig on and it's just <laughs> the most bizarre choice. But beyond that, um, they don't have any of the timey-wimey stuff going on. It's just a, a clear linear story, which I think the show benefits from. Cool. Um, the oh, fuck I can't remember her name. The the young girl character in it who's like is it Yennefer or is it no that's no that's the, the other one the hot I witch. haven't watched it yet okay <laughs> that's the hot witch um but yeah so I I really love the new dynamics in the show because a lot of our characters met at the end of season one so that's really fun as well to ex- I don't know I'm just having a lot of fun in the world um and I think I really enjoy the character of um the Witcher. He's just, you know, comes across obviously as this very stoic kind of alpha, the character that every, I don't know, loser wants to emulate. <laughs> but there's such a beautiful emotional richness to him and him kind of like discovering and owning the fact that feelings, emotion, feeling emotions is really important. Um, and he teaches that to like his young protege and stuff. And he's a very sensitive, warm, respectful 
person. Like you want to hang out with him and I don't know. I, I just really love that character. I think it's, I think it's great. I don't know. I, everyone should watch The Witcher. I like it. Cool. Anything else you've been watching? Um, so Dickinson season three mm-hmm. came out. Now I smashed through season one too. But I could smashed it. Um, so I was very excited for season three to come out, and this is the end of it. It's all over, folks, which makes me very sad because it was just like the ultimate teen lesbian, like emotionally just oh god why don't you love me stuff which is just the best um some real like kind of fan ficky vibes to it in that sense sure right yeah you know period drama with lesbians it's always going to be a kicker and i'm just surprised none of them die though obviously they eventually do as time moves on r.i.p emily dickinson um, so yeah no i just i love the character of emily dickinson i think they could have made her Know, kind of like this Anne of Green Gables esque mm-hmm. character, this kind of um, overly likable and relatable fist pump feminism chick. Mm-hmm. And there are elements of that, but she's also not particularly likable. Like she is a real fucking narcissist, I think, in a way that, you know, someone who is obsessed with their own work has to be um to be i think that prolific and dedicate that much time to it um she's a wholly original character um with a great amount of depth but there's there's so much there that you're like fuck if only they had therapy back there (laughs) she really needs she needs to talk to someone and someone to slap her around a bit and tell her to pull her fucking head in um but yeah no it's it's a solid show um even if you aren't drawn to things just because there are queer women in it like I am. It is a solid show and I think at least watch the first season, uh, but I, I loved it all the way through. And that's on Apple TV+. Plus. It did is, that come out yes. week by week or did that come out all at once? Do you remember season three? I think it was week to week, but I binged yep. it, I'm pretty sure. That's how they do all of it. Uh, cool. That's sad to hear that's over. I'm, at least, it sounds like it ended on its own terms, though. It was always going to end at season three. It mm. wasn't like it was cancelled unceremoniously. I mean, yeah, they've got a strict time limit with Miss Dickinson, unfortunately. Sure. So, yeah. Anything else you've been watching? Have I already spoken about watching season two of The Morning Show? I can't remember. I don't think No, I, I don't believe so. So, I also smashed through season one of The Morning Show because I had such season low expectations. Season one. one. Yeah. Oh, sorry, um, like, yeah. Like last year I did this. Gotcha. Um, or maybe earlier this year. I don't know. Time has stopped meaning anything, as we all know. Um, so I got through that and I was just generally surprised because I thought it was going to be like a rom-com and a bit shit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. Um, so I was like, oh, actually, I'm quite intrigued by this story and where it's going and how they're examining um, all that kind of crazy stuff that was happening, particularly in American news, all that stuff coming out about like what was going on behind the scenes at Fox and then what's his name, that lower creep um, from mm. the today show in american all so it's just kind of echoing that like people in uh, men in power taking advantage of their position all that stuff um so that was interesting so i was like oh season two has come out i'll definitely check it out because i was it was a bit saccharine the season one in the way that american shows can be but i was like it's still pretty solid so watch season two um it just gets a bit confused with itself i think mm, okay. we Spend a lot of time with Steve Carell's character who should have been left mm-hmm. behind in season one. Um, I can see what they're doing and I think it is an interesting perspective in terms of 
how do we deal with like forgiveness and is it or is it not possible for people to truly like learn and grow what is and isn't forgivable and who are the people who need to give forgiveness all that stuff like that is really interesting I think you could have done that with the characters who hadn't like sexually assaulted someone though I think you could have examined that through um the people left behind uh which probably I think the show would have benefited from yep yeah, I, I do just think it, it's a bit confused and I don't think they had a sense of direction or purpose that season one did. Um, it's a little meandering. There sure. is a great uh, queer thing that happens on it that I didn't know about and I'm so angry that no one told me about. <laughs> like so disappointed in everyone I've ever met. Because um, if, if you ever see queer ladies kissing on a TV show, please let me know. Slide or, into Damas DMs. Just, just yes, send really. it her way. Really, truly. And if, you, if you're like, oh, you probably won't like the show, send me the episode number <laughs> and a timestamp if you want to. That's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, so the morning show, mm, bit hit and miss season two. But if you, I don't know, lazy afternoon, you can watch season one. I haven't watched much of the morning show at all. I've seen mm. maybe 10 minutes total. But mm. you talking about Steve Carell's character in that and what they're doing with him this season made me think about a little bit about what they've been doing with Joel and the Marvel and Mrs. Maisel, which his crimes are nothing like Steve Carell's, mm. right? But it's his, mu- Steve Carell's character. I want to make that clear. Steve, Steve Carell did not sexually assault anyone as far True. as I know. But uh, in the Marvel and Mrs. Maisel, I've had a hard time forgiving Joel. And the show really wants me to start to come around that maybe Joel can grow and change and he can be better. But I feel like in that situation, while I'm still very hesitant to give Joel that (laughs) that Mm. forgiveness, it's more likely he will earn it (laughs) in that show because while he was a piece of shit husband, he didn't sexually assault anybody. Um, Spoilers for the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel a little bit there. Um, But uh, but that's like episode one stuff, isn't it? Surely. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm... That's that's the sort of storyline where you could explore that stuff maybe a bit better mm-hmm. and and not hit the wall of yeah, but he sexually assaulted women. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's exactly it. Like, they'll make some you know great points, and I'd be like, huh, yeah, that's really something to ponder. But then I'm like, but he did <laughs> sexually assault someone. So like, and he can go off and like heal and do all that stuff. But he's no longer relevant to, like, the story that I'm interested in exploring. Sure, yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Anything else you've been watching? I th- I mean, other than Real Housewives and stuff, but I don't have anything true to report on that. Sure. But, you know. There uh, was oh, another- sorry. Yes. Real Housewives of Miami has started. So, it's a new – it's a reboot of an old franchise that didn't last very long. Ah. So, that's going on. Um, I'm really enjoying it. There's a wonderful storyline um, actually where a woman, her ex-husband who recently died, that, you know, recently divorced and then he unfortunately passed away. When he passed away, she found out that he was a gay man living in the closet on the down low. Um, she also revealed that her dad was also a man who was on the down low. Um, and she set up to meet with um, her ex-husband's lover just because she wants to know that he was – happy and in love and that his life wasn't so terrible. It's actually like a storyline that's been met with like 
just a lot of love and a, a wanting to understand and very little judgment. Mm. It's been it's a pretty fascinating story, really. Um, so yeah, I've I've really enjoyed that. It's not high drama like we've been seeing on Salt Lake City, or um, I don't mean high drama as in like we'll study it at uni, <laughs> but I mean I mean just super dramatic like we've seen in Salt Lake City or Beverly Hills. But it's it's solid and the women a lot of them have genuine connections, which I think is really important. So, cool. yeah. Uh, I do believe there is another Haley Steinfeld show you've been watching, though, that uh, maybe you want to discuss. <gasps> there is. Because we were um, going to review it and we then were. sort of decided. I'd, well, I didn't have a lot to say, but I still haven't even finished the last episode, honestly. Yeah, because you'd, um, you'd watched most of it and I was had was meant to have um but i hadn't even started it and you're like oh i'm not sure if i've got a lot to discuss and i was like oh, okay we won't do it um a lot of that motivation was just so i wouldn't have to start watching it <laughs> but then as soon as that pressure lifted i immediately started watching it it's funny course, how that happens of course i did um so i watched the final episode yesterday i binge watched the last i think three we haven't even said what it is yet we mean hawkeye by oh, the way oh shit sorry <laughs> I, just assu- I assumed people knew <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you're right. She does have so many projects. It literally could be anything. The old <laughs> Haley Steinfeld. Um, yeah. Did you want to talk on it first? Um, well, I haven't finished the season. I've still mm. watched the finale. I'll, I'll generally talk about. Yeah, this is consider this our the as mo- much of a spoiler free re- review as we're going to do because we obviously mm. reviewed One Division earlier this year. We reviewed Loki. We reviewed Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and mm. we did a mini review of What If. Um, mm. in another off-topic hot topic a couple of months back. Um, and I, I had a lot to say about particularly WandaVision and Loki. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously been a big thing from this year. We'll talk about, a bit about this more when we're doing our interview wrap-up um, in a few minutes. But I don't know, Hawkeye, I've had a gr- good time with. I think it's a very solid show. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's nearly as exciting or original as WandaVision or Loki were. Um, and I don't think it's trying to be. But I, I just don't feel like I've got a lot to say about it. I don't have a lot to say about Clint Barton all that much. Um, mm. I do like Haley Steinfeld as uh, Kate Bishop, and I particularly liked spoilers for later in the season. If you didn't know, move ahead 30 seconds, but Florence Purr is back as Yelena. Um, she's mm. a highlight for sure. She was in the latest Black Widow film. I think the villains are particularly bland. I think I... I think it's a problem we've come up with in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier 2 where like mm-hmm. the tracksuit mafia are nothing. Oh, nothing so bad. At all. So and bad. S- and so while I have a, enough of a connection with the Clint and Kate stuff, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't think the story is necessarily that interesting. Even the Ronin stuff with with Clint is just fine. Um, yeah. And I do also feel like we had explored the Ronan stuff, even in just like small moments between like Clint and Natasha. Um, sure. But yeah, no, I, I didn't mind that, but I agree. Like the, uh, the track suits were absolutely useless. It really, it felt like, and I, this is probably on purpose. Perhaps it's more geared to children and young teens is they felt like power range of fights in a way, or, you know, uh, teenage mutant ninja turtle, live action the the old school ones like mm. it, they just felt very silly and over the top and um there was nothing scary about them and no. yes yeah, so the, the stakes went there i i did enjoy however um 
the dynamic between Clint and oh, what's her name? What's Haley Stanfield? Kate Bishop. Kate. Um, between Clint and Kate, um, that was really good. I loved mm-hmm. when um, Florence uh, was. <laughs> I just feel a need to say her name like that every time when she came on the scene, and I was like, "Are they going to be gay? Please make them gay for each other." That's, um, but that's just because I assume Haley Steinfeld's character is always gay because they always are. <laughs> they always are. Um, so I, I look forward to that in later episodes. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's not doing anything particularly new. I think it's a nice, solid show to pass the time with. Yep. I really enjoyed the character of Kate Bishop. Um, I think it's right in Haley Steinfeld's wheelhouse, that kind of snarky, silly, um, mm-hmm. just making a joke of everything character, which really played well against Clint's, um, his very dry way of being. Um, I liked seeing more of the dynamic between Clint and Laura, actually. Yeah, um, that's I, the bit I've actually been surprisingly into. Yeah. I, I really suspected um, that they would play her as like, oh, why why is it taking so long for you to get... It's mm. Christmas, come on. And then like, it's a much more like, I get it, I understand. I'll help you as much as I can yeah. from here. And I was like, yeah. that's not that's not the... The way I thought they'd play that character, and I really mm. appreciate them yes. doing it differently. I, I think we're edging towards, though. I think we should be long gone away from the trope of the wife who begs you not to do the thing that you just have to do. It's so fucking you're, boring. You're right. We should, but the ticking clock in a lot of ways in this show, the emo- like the the Clint Barton family heartbeat is mm. he wants to be home for Christmas. Yeah, which is and- which is good because he wants to be yes at Christmas, totally. not because his annoying wife is forcing him to spend time with god forbid his own family um so that you know that that's nice but yes i agree she you know the character of laura um understands why he needs to stay and actively helps him and is very helpful Mm -hmm. uh so that was that was really nice um because yes we we needed more from her we've always known her as like the helpful the helpful wife um but not quite that helpful so that was cool i have watched all of the season mm-hmm. yeah it, it was it was good i will say um paul mitzi fucked me up though because he said i think in our group chat he was like oh the end credits scene was like yeah. one of the best i've ever seen mm-hmm. and i was like oh fuck this is gonna be amazing this is gonna be so fucking good um, what like what's what are they gonna reveal yeah and i watched it I've even seen it because I wanted to find out what it was. Because it's like, I won't be a spoiler for the show. Yeah. It'll just be a for something else. I watched and- it. Fuck off, Paul. <laughs> One, it's it's a scene that was already in the show, just, just extended. extended. <laughs> they don't reveal anything. It's just kind of played like no. a, it's a joke, really, at I- the end. Apparently, there oh. was going to be an end credit scene that tied back into the story a little bit. Mm. And then it got cut. And they put that in instead. Look, I don't, I don't hate the show for doing it. I specifically hate Paul Mitzi. I'll say it once. I'll say it a million times. I hate Paul Mitzi for every choice he's made. <laughs> Love you, Paul. I'm joking. Um, spoilers. Dead set spoilers for Hawkeye before mm-hmm. we move on. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. The big reveal is that Kingpin from the Netflix Daredevil series oh, yeah. is in this as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very cool, mm-hmm. and I think 
if they want to bring the good elements from the TV, the Netflix series into the MCU proper and then keep playing with those toys. I hope Jessica they do. Jessica Jones. Because generally Jones. the casting in those Netflix shows were great. Mm-hmm. And, um, except for so Iron Fist, that needs to be except, said. Except, so I discussed this. What needs to happen is um, Danny Rand was in an aeroplane mm-hmm. or at the top of Rand, uh, the Rand Tower when the snap happened. And when he came back five years later, either Rantau was no, no longer there and he appeared in midair and then plummeted to his death, mm-hmm. or he appeared back where the plane was in the air when he got snapped and then plummeted to his death. So there's a new Iron Fist and mm-hmm. not fucking Danny Rand. Yes. Um, that's what needs to happen if they're going to bring back Iron Fist from Netflix. Um, re- and, they, and you can because the Iron Fist is actually a title that gets passed down. So if they want to move on to a different character and not Danny Rand... Very easy to do. With all that said, mm. you haven't seen um, Spider-Man. No, I haven't. I haven't had time to, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> because, you know, maybe there's things from Hawkeye that tie into said movie. Can't wait to see it. That you should watch. <laughs> um, I think that's all you've been watching, yeah? That is it. Mm-hmm. I'll quickly go through things I've been watching. I've watched, actually, once we're done recording, I'll be watching episode two. Um, but I've seen the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. uh, which is the spin off series of The Mandalorian. Yeah. I honestly wasn't anticipating this one very much. Boba Fett has sort of been an over celebrated character in the past. Mm. You know, he looks cool, but doesn't actually do a whole lot. Went down like a chump in Return of the Jedi. Um, they finally found a way to bring him back because everyone thinks Boba Fett's so cool. Um, there's not been that much to him really. And I didn't love the way he was used in the Mandalorian season two either. It was sort of a fun build up, But then when we got to him, I was kind of like, eh, I could have taken or leaving it or, or left it. Um, however, one episode into the book of Boba Fett and I'm having a good time. Mm. I think... I just really enjoy the Mandalorian style, that take on the Star Wars universe. And there's a lot of that going on here. It feels like the Mandalorian. Um, I'm having a good time at this point. It's another one of those shows. I think what I'm starting to understand is with all the Disney Plus Marvel Star Wars stuff that's coming out, Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll be reviewing all of it. If we no, were to I don't review think possible. all of it, that's that would be all we would review. Yeah. And I think I'm more if if Boba Fett sort of stays at the level that the pilot is, I don't see us reviewing that season anymore. No, because um, I've yeah, I've watched the first episode as well. And I think I really enjoy going back into that universe. Mm. That's that's always fun um well it's not always fun clearly (laughs) (laughs) episode nine was a bad time (laughs) but i have enjoyed um mandalorian um it's fun to jump back in again so i am having fun but i agree like um that doesn't mean that it's going to be a great show that we're going to have a lot to talk about or to analyze there so that's fine if it turns out to be those things and fuck yeah we will but yeah it's not at this point Point, it's not a we definitely have to review this bro yeah i think that'll be the case like there'll be big event things that we'll definitely have to do loki season two i want to be there for day mm-hmm. one she hulk because it could be a different genre to anything we've seen marvel do before i'm kind of interested in doing mm-hmm. that ms marvel um probably as well um i don't see us doing andor or whatever his name is in the star Wars the star wars one but i would really like to do obi-wan kenobi like mm-hmm. that's a show and the mandalorian season two so There'll be stuff, True. but it won't be everything unless the discussion around it is like this is the best stuff that come from those 
franchises. Mm. I'm just remembering seeing episode nine with you and turning to you about 15 minutes in and going, is this really bad? <laughs> episode nine of and what? Star Wars, episode nine. Oh, uh, yeah. Rise That's of Skywalker. You, yes. <laughs> in um, the cinema. Is this really bad? Yeah, I was no. glad I was sitting next to you because I, I was struggling. I was like, I don't, I'm not enjoying this yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Queer Eye is back for, I think it's its sixth season. I forgot to check, but I'm pretty sure it's its sixth season on Netflix. This is the Queer Eye revival, obviously, um, released on New Year- on Netflix over the New Year. Uh, this season, they're based in Austin, Texas, um, and it's been about 18 months since the previous season because um, I think they started filming early COVID days or maybe just before COVID, and they finally released that season. Simply put, it's Queer Eye. It's more of the same and I'm more than happy about that. As I've said before, they could release 10 episodes every year until the end of time, and I would be there to eat it up every time. I've seen mm. one episode so far and had a wonderful emotional time watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and I look mm. forward to watching the rest bit by bit yeah. over the next couple of months, probably. Yeah, I know, like, I have, I do not feel compelled to watch it at all. Um, Sorry, Pearl's barking in the background, so please ignore her, everyone. Um, so I don't feel compelled to watch it at all, but I know that there's going to come a day when I have nothing else to do. Sure. I might be in a bit of a sooky mood. I'll pop on Queer Eye and I'll just ball my eyes and tits off. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I've been to the movies yet again. I snuck in three more films. He's before. rich, everyone. Way to brag. <laughs> before, well, mostly I just had the opportunity and the time because mm. now there's multiple tens of thousands of cases in the state every every day. Oh, so gosh. I can't see myself going to the cinemas for a while again. Um, but I have been to see Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Mm. So this is an adaptation of the 1950s stage show, I believe. And then you wouldn't say it's a remake, but I suppose it also homages to some degree the 961 film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. I've not seen West Side Story before. I've never seen it on stage. I've never seen the original movie. Mm. Um, I actually had my doubts. and I, I doubted. I put my money where my mouth is on this one that this would not do well at the box office, and I was right about that, which is a shame because it's actually very well directed, wonderful choreography, beautiful cin- cinematography. Steven, Steven Spielberg has never done a musical before. Mm. The closest he's come to it is the... Um, Anything Goes opening of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, and his style really suits the musical yeah. genre. I have heard that. Like, I think people were really surprised about how well Steven Spielberg handled the material and how it like cohesive and it was a solid movie, um, which I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting. Sure. I, I think the problems with the film are just baked into the story. Mm-hmm. If you don't know West Side Story, you've seen it if you've seen Romeo and Juliet for the most part. Mm-hmm. Just set it in in New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and you the the thing you have to do is you have to believe that two teenagers can fall in love into the deepest, most overwhelming love within 24 hours. <laughs> I can believe that if, very well, easily. Well, it, it's a question if the show can do it too, mm. but if the if the movie can do it too. But like I've always, even with Romeo and Juliet, I've always like the tragedy of this is these are dumb fucking kids. It's like, thirteen are, year olds, yeah. These are fucking idiots. It's that's the tragedy here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that that's yeah, that's what West Side Story's got going for it. But around that, I think the performances are wonderful. The the shot choices, the editing, the the camera work, it is on a craft level, it is im impeccable. I think impeccable, cool. just brilliant. Um, so I kind of recommend seeing it on that basis. I wouldn't necessarily rush out to the cinemas now, especially with COVID. Um, but when it's available to stream. Definitely worth checking out, I think. Maybe watch it over, because I think it's like two and a half to three hours. Maybe in two sittings, um, but definitely no, worth... Broad. What? You don't recommend watching a film in two sittings. It's insane. Why, Why? It ruins the flow. The show has an inbuilt interval into it. Oh, well, that's... that's- the, the movie doesn't. Oh, the movie the stage doesn't show does. Well, they should have done a Gone with the Wind and had a fucking interval in it. Because <laughs> like otherwise, saying- you just got to watch it. You, listen, if you're having a good time, feel free to watch it over three hours. I'm saying <laughs> no, if, you no, got, no. if you got an hour and a half in and went like, I'm going to take a break now and come to this tomorrow, I would totally understand and you'll probably have a good time doing it. And I'll burst uh, through your window <laughs> and tell you to fucking sit down and watch No, I, I really have no skin in this game at all. I don't actually care. <laughs> I think the standout as well, um, for performance-wise, was Ariana DeBose as Anita and especially the performance of America. That's a funny thing, actually. As someone who's never seen the show, I realised I knew most of the songs. Mm. Like, I'd heard them somewhere before. Um, but she was fucking fantastic. Dancing, um, singing and performance, like... Absolutely going to get a nomination at least for Best Supporting Actress, if not win it at the Oscars. No doubt in my mind. Really? Wow, okay. And this film will get a Best Film nomination and Steven Spielberg will get a Best Director's nomination. Hmm. No doubt in my mind. Uh, I went to see The Matrix Resurrections, the my most anticipated film of the year, The Matrix 4. When they announced this was coming a couple of years ago and that Lana Wachowski would be writing and directing, I went from thinking I never want to see The Matrix ever again to thinking this, I want this so bad. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm, great. <laughs> For the first 40 minutes, I was super, super into it. Mm-hmm. Full of interesting ideas and meta-commentary on franchise reboots and even the place of the Matrix trilogy in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Then it falls into a hole in the middle of the movie. The, the final 15 to 20 minutes are pretty strong, um, but it kind of feels like the, the film is trying to have its cake and eat it too. It both does and doesn't want to be a Matrix film. Mm, it needs okay. to pick a side. It couldn't, it, it, it couldn't pull off being both. It couldn't be the Matrix and, and then also comment on The Matrix, if that makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha. And so I respect the film for its ideas and intentions more than I, I like it for its execution. And I, I like that it's not a solace cash grab. Um, but yeah, I didn't particularly enjoy it overall. It's kind of this weird, frustrating place where I really appreciate what they're going for. I just really didn't like the way they ultimately went about it, particularly the middle of the movie. I'll put it this way. If there was one element of the Matrix that you would like to see in a Matrix sequel, what would it be? What's like the what's an iconic part of the Matrix for you? What makes the Matrix films iconic? Um well it's a different question between what makes a Matrix 
Matrix film iconic and what do I want to see in a Matrix film? Sure, okay. They're different well, things. I want to hear both those answers, to those both those proposals. Then. Um, the iconic is obviously action sequences that are like revolutionary, something you haven't seen before and like leaves you going, holy shit, how did they do that? That's fucking cool. Sure. Um, so that's iconic about The Matrix. Yep. Um, I mean, because I recently rewatched the first one again and it's a, mm-hmm. quite a like slow, not heavily action-packed film. Um, there's a lot of moments that are just very quiet and I, I don't know, I quite like the philosophical discussions and implications that the film brings. Sure. Yeah. The first, the first film is just about a perfect movie. Watched that mm. again recently. It is incredible from go to woe. It's just a complete perfect story. Mm-hmm. And then the sequels, Reload and Revolutions, sort of wanted to do, sort of wanted to have their cake and eat it too, both be sequels and be just as grand in scale and action but then um, get even deeper into the philosophy and sort of deconstruct the chosen hero narrative that the first mm-hmm. one's all about. And while they didn't completely pull that off, I think ultimately it's a very, they're very interesting films too, but also maybe a bit more entertaining ultimately than the fourth film is. The action is the bit that this film's missing. Mm. Where... The it's not just that I don't, I didn't need them to come up with a new bullet time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what I kind of hoped, or what I think the, all three Matrix films do really well, is it's so well choreographed and shot. The action it is be- is just mesmerizing to look at. It's like a beautifully shot dance, almost like watching um, uh, West Side Story or something like that, right? Mm. And the action in this is really really poorly choreographed and really poorly shot and edited like oh, that sucks it doesn't doesn't feel like the matrix so it's like if you i i honestly would rather because there's no action in the first 40 minutes of the film basically i almost wish they just didn't even bother with the action mm-hmm. like if you want to go that far as to just be the meta commentary do that don't even bother with the action if that doesn't interest you anymore cuz it didn't yeah. need it, and the attempt that was made was so subpar as to kind of just be really disappointing, unfortunately. Um, but I do want to watch it again because I wonder if I go in with different expectations, if I will have a different opinion of it. I will appreciate it more. So I'm going to give it another go one day. Finally, very, very quickly, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I can't talk spoilers because you haven't seen it yet, but it's the most fun I've had the movie since 2019. Um, this is the definition of a crowd pleaser. Mm. As a standalone film, it is still a very good time, but I'm not going to pretend it's particularly profound. But as a pop culture event, it's kind of a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a real event, <laughs> and it's you cannot talk about it more than that. But if you love Spider Man or you even like Spider-Man, mm. and you like having a good time at the movies, go see Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, it also is a really good end, I think, to the MCU Spider-Man trilogy, or first trilogy, perhaps. Um, it leaves in a really good place. Again, it's impossible to talk about that spoilers, but I think it's the right move for the character, If the, it, both if they do and don't want to do more with it, him in the MCU, though I imagine they will do more. Mm-hmm. Um, and very quickly before we get to our 2021 wrap-up, um, how spoiled have Spider-Man fans been in the last four to five years? They've had 
three great live action movies with Marvel, with uh, Disney. Mm-hmm. They've had two great video games and one of the best animated films of all time with a sequel mm. to that coming this year. Yeah. Fucking crazy. That's a ridiculous <laughs> hit ratio for that franchise and that character at the moment. Amazing. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It is time for us to talk all about the year that was in television, the year 2021. Starting with Damask, just your general feelings on the year, even outside of TV. Uh, you can talk about TV, obviously, pop culture in general, life, the world, this podcast. How do you feel about 2021? Oh, let me talk about life and the world. (laughs) (laughs) Look, this year feels like it both has lasted, I don't know, 17 years and also two months. Um, Because it feels like the year's gone very quickly. But then I look Mm -hmm. at the fact that I was in Melbourne the beginning Mm. of this year, which feels like so long ago. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm now over in WA. in one of the last safe havens in the world from COVID, um, though that'll change shortly, no doubt, with Omicron. I'm I'm not sure. You guys have done a pretty good job at this stage, and uh, I know the board is meant to open on Feb fifth, but pff, I don't see that coming at the moment with the way mm. the numbers are. That's true. Yeah, you guys are in the tens of thousands now, so yeah, maybe the borders won't open. Um, who, who knows? So it's been an interesting year for me. It's hard. Because obviously we were, I was going through the list of all the shows we've watched and a couple that I've watched by myself. It's been a pretty solid year of television. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's that's been nice. Obviously, uh, coming from lockdowns in Melbourne and then coming to WA where, you know, I don't have any friends over here just yet. I mean, I, I do now, but, you know, when I first did, I didn't. And television has always been a great comfort. Um so that, that's been really nice to solidly throughout the year to always have something that I'm genuinely really enjoying. Uh, it's also been nice to have the podcast still going because it means I get to see you every week, Brod, which, is, which has been fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just because you know me, I'm 
pretty lazy and also I just forget things all the time. So yeah, making sure we, you know, have a, have a weekly catch-up has been really lovely and obviously our favourite thing to do, even when we don't have recording equipment, is to talk about TV and stuff. So, yeah, that's that's been really good. In terms of the world, I don't know. It's still fucked. But is it slightly less fucked? I don't know. I don't know. It's all the all the fuckery kind of – the fuckery scale has changed, so I don't, no longer know how to measure – if it's been a good year or a bad year. But my year has been pretty good. But as for I the world, like, I don't know. I feel like you've been shielded from some of the fuckery living in WA. I feel... In, 100%. I think Victorian, Victorians feel like this year is as bad, if not worse, than last year. Mm. And in fact, what's happening right totally. now is kind of... I think it's really pushing us to mm. our limits. I mean, with, like everyone I know that is positive and or just like running around yeah. trying to find those... What are they? PCRs or whatever? PCRs are like the test you line up for in your oh, car. Oh, the, the, the rats Ra- then. Rats. Yeah. Uh, rapid agent tests. Yeah, which you Everyone's can't Everyone's looking find, for rats. And yeah. they cost $10 at least per test, if not more, because mm. people are price gouging now. You think Kogan was charging like $44? <sighs> Fucking Fuck. insane. Insane. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. 2022 is off to a rough start. Um. General things in the year in relation to TV. I think it's been a pretty exciting and big year in a lot of ways. Marvel, the mm-hmm. biggest entertainment anything in the world, basically, had five different television shows. Came out of nowhere, bam, out of the gates. WandaVision, mm-hmm. which I think was a fantastic surprise. We'll talk more about that in a second. But that's been huge. That's changed the TV landscape completely. Um, it's also been a big week-to-week viewing year. Disney Mm. is releasing all their stuff week-to-week again. We've gone from that was the norm on free-to-air television to then when Netflix showed up, they'd release all of Stranger Things all at once, and that's still very much their model. But it's nice to see with Disney Plus that that, and and Apple TV Plus as well, actually, the week-to-week viewing cycle is starting to become a normal thing again. I really like that because I think the discussion is more interesting when... We can all be there, you know, on a Wednesday or on a Sunday or whatever it is, discussing the last episode together and feel like the community around it again. Um, and there's been some really, really good quality television this year as well. Um, I feel more reliant on TV th- than ever. Um, mm. As well, it's been interesting. I think the world in general has been very reliant on TV for the last two years to get them by. But also the big change was movies releasing day and date on at the cinemas and on streaming. And like for us, we watched Black Widow, we watched Shang-Chi. That's the only way we were able to watch those films because we couldn't see them in cinemas. Um, and that's becoming the norm with the HBO stuff as well, like The Matrix Resurrections. You could watch Day and Date on HBO Max, um, which is a pretty huge deal and I think has kind of changed the paradigm. So it's been a big year um, for those sorts of things. On a life level, level... Um, I don't know. I feel like I've just been trying to get by. Last mm. year, I had I bought a house. I got engaged. There was stuff happening. My football team won a premiership. <laughs> this year, it's just been about getting to the vaccine. And then it's been about getting through Delta. And now it's about getting through Omicron. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. It's been a really, really tough year. Really exhausting year. Um, I'm just about to go back to work tomorrow. And I could honestly do with another two or three weeks off, I feel like, just to try and catch up. Um, just to recharge a bit more. Mm. But it has been nice to get back to the cinemas finally. Since we did open up back in October, I've been to the movies like six or seven times, and that was really, really nice. 
on a podcast level, we've been relatively consistent, which is pretty impressive considering you moved to WA. Yes, we have. I was, didn't know how that was going to work and it's been great. And as you said, it's been a great way to keep catching up on a regular basis. So that's been wonderful. Uh, I think we found a good rhythm with our reviews and also our off-topic, hot-topic episodes. I like mm-hmm. the way we've been going about that for the last probably six months or so. We had Paul on a few times, which has been fun. We had Matt Palmer, a totally new guest yeah. for our Sex Education Season 1 episode, which was wonderful. We'd love to have Matt on again if he would like to be. And we also finally got through The Sopranos. <gasps> You're right. That is my crowning achievement of 2021, <laughs> <laughs> is that I managed to get through The Sopranos. We watched like four seasons or something this year. and It was so full on. I'm glad we never have to do that ever again. Yeah, me too. I mean, we're going to have to deal with other shows like The Sopranos, but... um. What are we doing next? Like, is it Mad Men or something? That's actually something I want to discuss with you at some stage. We have to figure out what our next, like, prestige mm. show is. We need a new one for this year now. Um, though there is a lot coming out this year that we could fill up the slot. I think we should try and at least have one show. Yeah, I feel like every year we should at least try to get, like, a classic prestige. Yeah, could be Mad there. Men. Could be, I'm trying to think what else is there. Deadwood, which I think has only got a couple of seasons. That mm. wouldn't be too hard to do. Mm-hmm. There are some options there. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think for the podcast, yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been a good year, I think. Uh, what about for you? What have the shows of the year been for you? What have been your highlights? All right. So I've got quite a few here and I've written them down, like, just like in terms of when they came out. Sure. Just to kind of help me remember my Mm -hmm. year. So obviously the beginning of the year, um, we had WandaVision, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure we can both both speak to I mean we've already done the podcast about it but we could speak about it again um I saw it was an amazing way to start off the year it was you know it was unique I remember mm-hmm. you know first pressing play and being like oh yeah cool so I understood the concept from the trailer this is great follow-through um but I do think it very easily could have become nothing more than a cool premise Yep. But I think the work of Paul Bettany and particularly Elizabeth Olsen mm-hmm. made this story so emotionally devastating. Like, I just, I fucking loved it. Um, you know, I want a million more stories of Wanda. I worry about her all the time when I think about how it ended. Um, where is that cabin? Um, I just, I just, I just want to see her again. But Have you was- seen the trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that came out in the last couple of weeks? Probably not, Brad. Oh, okay. Well, Probably. you know, um, if I you feel wanna, like I have. No, if you I have. Want to get a little glimpse of Wanda and where where she is now? That'd be a good place to go. Oh, but I don't remember Wanda, so maybe I haven't. Who knows mm. with my memory? I'm, every time I watch something, it's like the first time, even if I've seen it a million times. Um, so yeah, no, WandaVision was. Uh, it filled me with energy, and it was lovely to have something to watch week to week, as you were kind of talking about earlier. So that you know. We'd watch an episode and then we'd all fucking chat about it, particularly when we went to D&D, if mm-hmm. everyone had watched it. And if they hadn't, I'd be furious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun and it got me super excited for what Marvel was going to be doing on Disney+. Plus. I think that my biggest hope with WandaVision, that I remember hearing the premise and going, this could be amazing if they follow through with the idea, mm-hmm. right? I just want it to be some... I like a sitcom, do it for reals for the most part. And then like, yeah, it builds into a bigger story or whatever, but like just go there with it. That could be the best. And for the most part, they really, really, really did that, which I really appreciated. I also thought it was an amazing way to come back to the MCU after what had been like a year and a half break after the second Spider-Man film, um, Far From Home. 
Mm. And we, I think we kind of, the, the break was not intentional. It wasn't meant to be that way. COVID affected things. In fact, WandaVision wasn't meant to be the first MCU TV show. But it ended up being the perfect one, I think, because okay. it was so unique. It set a different tone mm-hmm. for what that like the next phase of if you're just an MCU fan is going to be different. Yeah. And that the TV show is going to be willing to do things that maybe we wouldn't do in a, in a movie that needs to sell, you know, millions of tickets. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved WandaVision. Loved it. What else? The next one was, it came out in May, so long ago. It was Hacks. I, Hacks. I was, yeah, surprised by Hacks. Um, the concept, I was like, oh, this sounds like my jam. I fucking love Jean Smart. Um, her work in the Brady Bunch movie, just stellar stuff. Um, so I started watching it and... Oh, boy, did it meet every one of my expectations. I fucking love an intergenerational friendship Mm. and I also love female friendship and this was both, but it also starts as like, you know, we hate each other, but then we grow to love each other, which is just the best kind of story in my opinion. Um, So, And, the you know, the characters are sharp and funny. There's plenty of like emotional backing that makes it go from just like something that's a bit of fun to something that's, you know, it resonates a lot. There's um, meat on those bones for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It it was a nice little surprise. I really enjoyed myself. And I, you know, as soon as I'd finished it, I recommended it to literally everyone I spoke to. Yeah, that one was particularly fun because it did seem to come out of nowhere. Mm. Um, I'd, a lot of these shows either I'd heard a lot of like good buzz about or I was anticipating in my own right. And Hacks wasn't that way. It was sort of just like little Twitter here and there. Like legitimately little tweets on Twitter of like, oh, this hack show is really good. Gene Smart's amazing in this. And then you obviously loved it. So we, it was like, oh, wow, this is a fun little gem of the year. Mm. I agree. Hacks was excellent. What else? Uh, in June, we had Loki. So mm-hmm. I loved WandaVision. Um, and so I was certainly looking forward to Loki. It was one of those things where I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, it, feel, it felt cool. It felt different. And I was like, Righto, righto, righto. And I obviously really enjoy the character of Loki. He's always fun. Um, and it once again, they did it again. It, it held up those expectations. I loved the design of the mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm. It felt so... I just want to reach my hands on the TV and touch it and play with everything. Like, and I look at it. I want to go there. I want to go to the TVA, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's always a great element of it. Uh, I think... This version of Loki that we get, I think that was always going to be a hard thing to pull off because he's not necessarily the Loki that we have come to know. Correct. Um, But they do such a masterful job of making us care just as much with this this version of Loki. Really enjoy the side characters, um, the... The places we go and the things we see felt like a real adventure every week. Um, and I look forward to them so, so much. I, I just had a fabulous time with it all the way through. As a fantasy, sci-fi, timey-wimey, multiversey, Doctor Who-ish yes. sort of adventure show, mm-hmm. I had a wonderful time with it. The chemistry between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson was wonderful. Um, I've forgotten the character's name all of a sudden. What's Lady Loki's name? 
I can't remember. Lady Loki. <gasps> That's terrible. No, she has a name of her own. Starts with the S, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, the introduction of that character was wonderful. Mm-hmm. The implications to the MCU in general mm-hmm. wonderful as well. I'm really excited we're getting a season two because a lot of these shows that that Marvel were making weren't this, were probably one-offs for the most part, but we know we're getting a season two of Loki. I, I had a fantastic time. I think on a design level, if nothing else, the, just the, the tone and the feel of the show, the music, there was, I ate it all up. Um, and again, it was one of those things where I don't know if they would have made this if it was a movie, but as a TV show, not only does it have implicate like surprisingly big implications on the rest of the MCU, um, it's just such a weird concept in a lot of ways that I don't think it necessarily would be made as a movie. So to get it as a TV show was wonderful. As a way, I think in general, the biggest story of the year for me is the MCU stuff because like what Marvel and the MCU is becoming as a pop culture media giant is ridiculous. When mm-hmm. they pulled off the Avengers, the first Avengers film, this crossover movie back in 2012 or whatever it was, that seemed impossible at the time. And somehow, they keep growing, but the bubble does not burst. Mm. And I think it will one day, but at this stage, they still pull off more hits than misses, yeah. even though they're releasing either a movie or a TV show, what feels like monthly at this stage. Mm. It's kind of absurd, and it's not necessarily great news for the film industry in general <laughs> that Marvel dominates, but mm. it is still something to behold. Yeah. And I, I do think the um, – because I do think that in terms of what's coming out at the cinema and a few things that have happened there, a couple of movies, I've been like – uh, you know, I feel like I've seen this before. Like, you know, I mentioned the fact that I haven't watched an Ant- Ant-Man and the Wasp. I still haven't sure. watched it. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I'm not as compelled to watch a film that I feel like I've watched before. However, what, they've, what they're doing at the moment is allowing themselves to evolve into telling mm-hmm. different stories. And that's going to be so important if we're talking about the continuation of this. You can call it a bubble. Some people might call it a monstrous beast. Who yeah. knows? But um, I think, yeah, allowing, um, you know, fresh creators to come on board who want to do things that look and feel and sound very different than what's come before, it, it, it compels you to want to, like, go to the movies or stream it because you haven't seen it before and you want to know what what could they possibly do next. You know, when I think back to... Yeah, the original Avengers or even the first time that we saw Wanda. Mm-hmm. I never in my wildest imagination could have imagined that in a few years' time or a decade, who knows how long it's been. Um, both that, somehow. Yeah, both exactly. That this is the kind of content that I would be getting and would be loving. Yeah. Um, so it, I am excited. There's, there's Obviously, there's been a couple of paint-by-numbers things that they've put out as well because there are people, I guess, there's still an audience for that, but... I do appreciate them kind of branching out in the way that they have. I feel like even though it didn't make my highlights list, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, while it was definitely the weakest or the weaker of the sort of live action shows, it they did do they did go somewhere with that with like the Black Captain America storyline. It wasn't completely without something, some merit. Oh, they to should it. have done so much more with that. They that could really have done more with it, but they they still went to a place I didn't expect them to go. Um, the I saw Isaiah Bradley character in that show was terrific. 
and mm. really, really worked really well. And I think in general, what I'm impressed with is also how they've been able to take these side characters or secondary or tertiary characters who I didn't care about, even mm. through Infinity War and Endgame and stuff like that. And then like, oh, now you care about Wanda and Vision. And now you care about Bucky and Sam Wilson more than you did before. It's like, that's pretty impressive that they can they can go back and go, look at these characters that we're just sort of dressing and now you're going to be as invested in them as you were with Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. That's that's I, pretty I impressive. I do not believe they did that with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Not Falcon and sure. the Winter Soldier, yeah. maybe. But, <laughs> but with Wanda yeah. and, and, and Vision, I definitely am. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I genuinely care about what their next story is. Yeah, me too. Um, what else? What else is a highlight? All right, so now it's it's time for June and uh, Feel Good Season 2 came out. So I loved Feel Good. It was Mae Martin's series that I think came out the year before and I smashed through that. Um, so Mae plays a version of themselves. So at the beginning of the, the series, um, they identify as uh, she, her, and then obviously kind of in a very fluid and totally relatable way, starts questioning their own gender identity. What does that mean? What does being trans mean? What does non-binary mean? All that stuff. But in a really understated way, to be honest, it's not the focus of the show at all. Um, So season two continues to deal with some really interesting stuff. So May deals with some traumatic stuff where they have substance abuse issues, which are tough but they believe you know it's it's all fine i'm i'm over that surprise surprise they're not um <laughs> there's also a lot of me too stuff which is interesting um because it doesn't feel hacked on and i think there's quite a few times oh god this just goes back to the sex and city reboot where it's like <laughs> let's do socially relevant stuff on our tv show and it's just the worst Mm-hmm. worst possible thing you can do if it's not character-driven, authentic, or offering a new perspective um, or feels preachy. That's also like, yeah. I don't like that either. And I agree with the politics of it, but I don't want to be preached at either. Um, so Feel Good does have Me Too stuff, but it's certainly not hacked on. It comes from a genuinely personal and complicated place. Um, and the character of May does a fantastic – well, sorry, the, the creator May does a fantastic job and the character um, has a very interesting journey through all of that. Uh, I, I highly re- recommend Feel Good. I love season one. I love season two. I, brilliant. They ended it perfectly. It's one of those things where it's you know British show, mm-hmm. so they only have two seasons and it's the perfect amount of time to tell the story that they wanted to tell. So, yeah, I just really, really recommend it. It's on Netflix in Australia. I don't know. If you're somewhere else, Google it. I'm not your mum. But, yeah, please watch it. Feel good. Very good. Uh, What else? Because I haven't seen Feel Good, I'm sorry to say. That's all right. The next one, it's very obvious, came out in October. It's Succession. Duh. Ooh, yeah. Succession season three in particular. Season three, yes. Uh, I mean, for me, I've only watched all of Succession this year. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So we didn't start. Oh, you'd already watched it, I think, last year, hadn't you? Succession yes, seasons one and I'd, two. I started it, yeah, yeah. And then we reviewed them both at the start of the year, basically, uh, just before you left, actually, mm. um, to go WA. And so I've watched seasons one, two, and three. And yeah, 
What a great year for you. What an incredible... And you that, said this year was hard. Come on, Brad. That's been an incredible <laughs> highlight. Succession, mm-hmm. especially after season three, and if you want to hear our thoughts on season three, go back a couple of weeks to when we reviewed it. Um, but in general, Succession is the best show on television right now. I yeah. 100% believe. And that has been a joy. Joy to watch this year. Mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts? No, I just, my note is literally Succession, duh. <laughs> Duh. That's it. That sums it up. <laughs> That's all I have. Yeah, go watch Succession if you haven't already, you dummies. Mm. Uh, what else? All right, so in November, I was given, I've already spoken about this already on the podcast, but Dickinson season three came out. Sure. So I was so behind on Dickinson. I hadn't watched any of it at all until I was staying with you, Brod, just before I moved over to WA. Because um, you had Apple TV Plus and I was like, I did. fuck, I am living with a millionaire. This is amazing. Still do for a couple more weeks. <laughs> I do as well. I The funny thing is I now kind of am skewing more to keeping Apple TV Plus and getting rid of Amazon. Amazon or Netflix. Yeah. It's a shame. You'll have to keep Amazon because Marvelous Mrs. Maisel comes out next month. Okay, it's always the way. Yeah, all right. Because I cancelled Stan and then we had to do the, the greats. I was like, fucking hell. Um, but now that Pen15 has gone, I can get rid of Stan, I feel like. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Back to what I was talking about. So, yeah, I, I, I watched season one and two when I was staying with you, bro. Like you and your lovely fiancé were off at work and I was bumming around at home. And I just, oh, God, I queered out on your couch, let me tell you. Ew. Did you put a towel down at least? Of course not. <laughs> Gonna mark your territory. It was. It was. <laughs> How dare you? You kink shame me. Um, no. All I mean is that my my little queer heart was a flutter. Just like oh, it's a fabulous queer teen period drama comedy absurd show. And so 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 much fun. Um, I quickly became obsessed, obviously, and so I was really excited to dive into the final season. It was all over, and I was as I was watching it, I, I get nerves of final seasons of mm. show I like. I'm like, are they mm. going to stick the landing? Um, you know, is it going to be? Am I going to feel satisfied when I walk away? And it's always a terrible feeling when you don't. Uh, I remember when we watched the Parks and Rec finale, yeah, and I didn't feel. That good feeling. Show should have ended two seasons earlier. Really should have. Um, mm. <laughs> but yeah, so Dickinson did stick the landing. It is uh, absurd and very silly show right until the end um, with a big bleeding gay heart all the way through. So yeah, if you're wanting to, I don't know, queer out on someone someone's couch, um, I... Ask permission <laughs> first. Nope, don't. Um, and watch Dickinson. <laughs> Uh, anything else? What else? Yes. All right. So we're down to December. And of course, it has to be the final, final, final season of Pen15, season two, mm. part B. Oh, this is, Pen15 is genuinely one of my favorite shows. Like I, I cannot fault it. Um, it's a, I think, genuine recreation of teen years. It's hilarious. It's insightful. It's got such Fucking hell, it's got such talented creators, writers, mm-hmm. cast and crew. And, you know, there's plenty of shows that I, like new shows that I love that, I, you know, come out. I'm like, this is a fucking good show. Um, but this show, it's more than that. It's it's a real favourite. It's a genuine favourite that's going to, you know, it's, it's in that place with like Parks and Rec, 
and Buffy and, you know, all, all wow. those ones. Pen 15, are obviously happy endings. Pen 15 is so special to me. I've had such a great time with it. I don't, it's, it's hard to identify with a show with that hard. You know what I mean? Like they've really kind of got to be specific to your your age group when obviously it's yeah. talking about your childhood, your age group and like all those little all those little bits that I'd forgotten about. It was such a mm. so much fun to go back um, and experience them again. I'm obviously Does it feel like the first show that is nostalgic for when we were high schoolers like that. Like we've grown up watching shows like mm. or or cut around to watch shows like Freaks and Geeks, which I think people look at and go, you know, that's reminiscent of their experience when mm. they're in high school. And this I haven't watched as much all of Pen15 yet, but I've watched a reasonable chunk of it now. And it's hard not to be like, fuck yeah, I remember. I remember those days. <laughs> I remember yeah. that's my childhood. That's my high school experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I remember when Stranger Things came out. I was like, I was too young for all this nostalgia, nostalgia mm-hmm. stuff that people were picking up from the show. Um, so, yes, I do think it's the first time where they've really hit the nail on the head in terms of yep. when we were specifically growing up. Mm-hmm. But I also think their depiction of um, teenagers is timeless. Like it's that level of confidence and yet knowing nothing, um, mm-hmm. that beautiful balance of being a, a child but thinking that you're 35. Um, yeah. The hy- like hysteria you, <laughs> you feel from moment to moment, um, this great pit of fear you constantly have in your stomach um but also like the giddiness of you know crushes and making new friends for the first time and staying up all night with your friends like all of that magic of being a a a young teen is all there and it just happens to be wrapped up in beautiful wrapping paper um you know that represents you know the age that I was at that time. So that that's that's nice. Um, but yeah. So for those of you that haven't watched Pen Fifteen, once again, I'm begging you to fucking watch it already. It's one of my favorite shows. There. It's, it's all, all it's all done. It's done. So we know how it starts. We know how it ends, and it's wonderful from tip to taint, as they say. Uh, Steph bawled her eyes out of the finale. Yeah, it was Absolutely great. It was so, ridiculous. And I, as I was watching the finale, I was so worried. I'm like, oh, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. Where is this going? I was like, I was so stressed that it, I wasn't going to be happy. And then it finished and I was like, oh, thank God. What a beautiful ending. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cute. Uh, I'm going to bring up other highlights for me this mm-hmm. year. Ted Lasso. Yes. Uh, we watched season one and two together for the I don't know if you'd saw season one last year but I certainly hadn't that was all this year I'm pretty sure um and that's just a a a perfect piece of positivity there especially season Mm. one season two I really enjoyed as well I'm really glad that season two does do something different and goes some different places than season one was willing to go but fuck that was a show I needed at the time especially season one holy crap Mm, season one's so good yeah uh it's a sin uh, Paul Mitzi mm-hmm. came on the podcast to watch that with us. We yeah. both, or oh, I gave that five out of five. I'm pretty sure Paul did. I can't remember if you did. The yeah, mask, I, but that was. Sorry, I just remembered one specific episode of that show, and I'd forgotten about it. And you talking about it just reminded me. And now I'm sorry upset for that. the rest of the podcast. Go on. <laughs> but that was an incredible show. It it's was. only five episodes. Um, 
I can't remember if it's been nominated for anything or whether it missed out on being nominated because of stupid timing of these things from the Emmys mm. or the Golden Globes or whatever, but uh, It's a Sin is 100% worth your time. Yeah, it's uh, great. Created by Russell T. Davies, who's going to take over a showrunner for Doctor Who as well, which mm-hmm. is exciting news. Uh, Master of None Season 3 came out, which was very interesting because we reviewed Season 1 and 2 back in the day and Season 3 mm-hmm. sort of appeared out of nowhere. It's got a very different focus. It's not set around Dev um, as his Ansari's character. Um, it's a very different story, shot and told very differently, but I thought it was kind of wonderful and fresh and a, a little bit of its own masterpiece and um, definitely something I think if people are looking for something to go back to, they may have missed through the, the year. They're looking for little gems here and there. Again, it's only five episodes as well. Mm. Go check out Master of None Season 3. I don't think it'll be for everybody, but I really, really enjoyed what they were going for and what they achieved overall with Master of None Season 3. Uh, Sex Education, we watched all of as well. Again, mm-hmm. you'd seen Seasons 1 and 2, I think, before this year. Had I? Maybe not. Maybe you hadn't. Maybe I don't we watched think I all had. that for the I first time. I think Angela time. had, and I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And then That's I did. Right. And we had Matt on the podcast to, um, to come and review season one with us mm-hmm. but we've now watched and reviewed all three seasons of sex education up to this point and that's a fantastic show as well mm. and as we i said every i think every season a show i wish that was on when i was a teenager and extremely valuable and very emotionally intelligent and very funny mm. um just a really great time sex education on netflix white lotus season one was this year as well that was a little surprise gem that came out of nowhere as well um a bit like hacks just sort of people were talking about it and then we caught up on it pretty much as it was just finishing up i think we sort of caught up on the season and i'm looking forward to season two of that because that was a pretty excellent dark comedy very cynical very biting but um a lot of fun as well particularly jennifer coolidge Mm. and was just worth our time and murray bartlett as armand that's definitely worth checking out again i don't think it'll be for everybody um, but a real highlight for the year. And finally, I just want to mention Taskmaster seasons 11 and 12 with <laughs> this year. I bring it up every single off-topic hot topic. They've just As had their should. New Year treat for the second year running, and I haven't watched that yet because Steph's been away. Um, but when she gets back, we're going to watch that straight away. The, if it wasn't Ted Lasso, this was the show that's got me through this pandemic so far. Taskmaster is pure joy, and I look forward to every season Every week when there's a new episode, I get 20 of them a year, basically, and it really helps. It really helps to get through the uh, the rougher parts of the year. We've also had some highlights sent to us from listeners of the show. Uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, tweeted us, Yellow Jackets has snuck in the very last minute as one of my favourite TV experiences of the year, and since the last three episodes are airing after Jan 1st, you can put it the, put the show in my 2022 fabs as well. Have you watched any of Yellow Jackets yet? Yes, I've watched the first episode. Really promising, amazing cast. Um, and I, Angela and I plan on like watching. Now that a few more are out, we're probably just going to like binge it. I reckon. But I'm, so far, I'm so wondering good. if it might be the first show we review as we get back, because I'm pretty keen to watch this based on the way everyone's talking about it. But mm. um, I would definitely. That's come out of freaking. Well, we'll nowhere. certainly both watch it, and if we get to the end, we're like, we definitely need to talk about it. Then we will. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for that one, Shawnee. Jolly Mac. Okay. Well, Joel McDonald, aka Jolly Mac of the Dialogue Options podcast, writes, aside from the Marvel stuff, which I've really enjoyed, the new episodes of Bluey 
which were as fantastic as ever. Uh, but I've got to go with Invincible. What a fucking ride that was. And it's only just the beginning. Um, I wasn't as hot on as Invincible no, as I loved you it. were, but yeah. you had a great time with it as I, well. I really did. I, I'm looking forward to future seasons of it. That's for sure. Uh, certainly a slightly different take on the superhero genre and a fun anime, animated show as well, which it's funny to think about actually. Um, that was a discussion we had during discussing Arcane, which I can't believe you didn't bring up in your highlights of the year. Um, the the idea of adult television sh- animated shows that aren't just adult humour, but are like telling serious storylines, mm. if that makes sense. I will say, because you sent me the categories we're doing, we've got a category of biggest surprises. So. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. I didn't want to repeat myself too much. Uh, I understand. Uh, at... JT Gay Me on Twitter has a couple of highlights. Uh, the other two, a really special blend of episodic and serialized storytelling where every plot line stands out and you can ho- and can hold its own while also adding to the bigger picture. So effectively hilarious and emotional. You've watched the other two, yes? Yes. Yeah, so this is one of the few things that Paul Mitzi and I agree on, which is the other <laughs> two is fantastic. Though in Australia, it's super annoying. So season one was on, I think it was Stan. For like a week and then it randomly fucking disappeared so quickly. And then I don't believe season two has come out in Australia yet. But I loved the first season. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, at JT Gamey also said Saved by the Bell was a highlight. It's had oh, more story so oriented than the other two, which isn't a bad thing. I just enjoyed the season as a whole more than individual episodes and the later episodes stand out more because mm. the first half are building up to them. So much fun. You agree? This person gets it. This person fucking <laughs> gets it. I, Saved by the Bell was such a nice surprise. Like I, you know, I, I used to watch Saved by the Bell I fucking loved it. Um, and But I was like, oh, God, a reboot. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. Started watching it. It was so funny. It was well written. It was tonally just like pitch perfect of what a Saved by the Bell reboot should be. Very smart. Yeah. It, it was a great show. Great show. Also, new listener, The Trap Cycle, who we uh, discussed earlier, oh, hello. Uh, says, <laughs> says, Arcane absolutely blew my mind. It definitely takes my number one highlight of this year. But Rick and Morty Season 5 is right behind it. And Invincible, as uh, Joel was saying, just behind that. All three are great shows, but Arcane was just next level in my opinion. We'll talk about that again in a moment, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any favorite episodes of the year? Uh, I do. So I've decided to write down a few um, that we haven't reviewed because obviously people know what my favourite episodes are if they've listened to the podcast. So I just want to do something a little bit different. Absolutely. Um, And this is in no particular order. But um, so first up, I've got an episode from Dickinson season three. So it's called This Is My Letter to the World. So this show is pretty wackadoo and a lot of fun. But in this episode, uh, Emily is in her imagination. She goes to like a civil war hospital where obviously like a lot of the the soldiers are injured and being treated. And she hangs out with Walt Whitman and Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women. Um, Right. And Billy Eichner plays Walt Whitman and is so fucking good at it. (laughs) It is hilarious. It, It... I was having so much fun watching his performance. It was great. Um, and like, 
I find Billy Eichner, I think he's very talented, but I find him a little bit hit and miss. I didn't sure. love what he was doing in Parks and Rec, but I also mm-hmm. didn't like that they were bringing in all these new people, so probably tied up to that as well. I don't find the thing he does on the street particularly funny, but that's mostly because it just stresses me out as a human <laughs> being, not because it isn't necessarily funny. Um, it's just, just my personality and anxiety disorder. Um, but I loved what he was doing here. He was so funny throughout. I... It's always fun when they do the kind of fantastical elements of um, Dickinson. You know, we've got time traveling this episode, not this episode, but in the season. She goes into the future to meet uh, Sylvia Plath, which is great. So I, I like real. it when she's. Now, when I she's, had no idea there was any sort of sci fi element to Dickinson. It's Holy not sci fi. It's more like, you know, we're talking about a highly creative person. Um, and so. The way that she explores the world is through her imagination. Okay. Obviously, she's a woman at the time and that's kind of all she has to explore the world with. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like that. But, you know, how would she know about Sylvia Plath? Who knows? Maybe there is some kind of psychic connection there. Uh, but anyway, this particular episode, though, um, This Is My Letter to the World, was so much fun. And so much of this show is about how art and fame interact with one another what they mean and this was a great kind of example of how they've explored that throughout the seasons very cool what else all right next one is rupaul's drag race uk it's season two episode five so this is the ruru vision song contest uh where we get the amazing amazing uh phrase bing bang bong (laughs) what a phrase (laughs) Wasn't it just a moment in time? (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that song, UK Hun. Um, That was a good song. Great stuff. So we had like a great song, great outfits. I loved, you know, the teams, the the Corey was good. I mean, good is relative. Um, We also have the H&M controversy, which is, you know, big moment. Uh, It's just... Remind me. So when... Oh, because they accused someone of like buying somebody could have bought at H&M. Is that well, the, no, admitted that she did buy it from H&M, H&M. And RuPaul that's was right. like, yes. how dare you? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's in right. front of this face. There's, there's yeah. always going to be one episode of a RuPaul season where Ru just like tears everyone down. It's yeah. like, it's I expect so much cunt. more. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's always great. Um, so, yeah, all it was just a really, really good episode. And for someone who's like been waning in interest for RuPaul, um, I really enjoyed that season and that episode in particular was a highlight. Very nice. I, I again apologize for ruining RuPaul for everybody who was in a straight white man and just like make it uncool. <laughs> it's all my fault. It and, is. Uh, as soon as you I'd, liked it, I'm like, I'm out of an- here, man. Another, another victim of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next favorite episode is Pen15. Um, all of I mean, all the episodes in 2B, I guess that season, will be called a good, but I've just got to give it to the finale because, as I said, I had a lot of anxiety about whether they could pull it off, make it satisfying, make it wonderful, making making it as heartfelt as the rest of the show was, and they did. Um, and it's so nice to know that I've got a complete story that I can re-watch time and time again. So that was, that was really special this year. Beautiful. Anything else? Yes. Um, so I've got Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, this great episode, it's called Highway to Vale. I'm sure I've mentioned it before in Off Topic, Hot Topic. This is, um, the episode where the ladies are waiting in the Beauty Lab car park. Oh, yes. Jen suddenly leaves. Yes. Where'd she go? Who knows? 
What's that in the background? A SWAT team. Um, it's just a very exciting episode. Uh, so I've, I've very much enjoyed how we are veering away from your classic reality into true crime docu-series <laughs> with our Real Housewives. It's been great. That is, uh, a, so that is a wonderful metamorphosis that's shown going through. <laughs> it really is. Surprising. But they are also evolving much like Marvel are, which is important for longevity. <laughs> uh, so that is, uh, yeah, they're my favorite episodes this year. Very good. Um, the ones I've chosen are from shows we've reviewed this year, so I'll go through them quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh there could be any number of Succession 3 episodes, but especially episode 9, All the Bells Say, that Succession seasons are three for three on excellent finales, mm. and season three yeah. is is possibly my favourite of all of them. It's also the episode that got me to realise Succession is a five out of five show. Like, yeah, truly. Struggling to give mm. that score, and then the finale was so good, I was like, it can't be anything else. I think probably the, the most talked about episode of television all year was WandaVision episode five on a very special episode, which is the sort of 80s, 90s sitcom Family family Ties mm-hmm. sort of episode. There are lots of great episodes at moments that episode. There's um, Agnes wanting to do another take, which is really eerie and sort of mm. like what's going on here. Fuck There's a bit yeah. with the credits rolling over, Vision and Wanda having an argument. But, and a massive spoilers for WandaVision if somehow you haven't watched it, the Pete Evans showing mm. up as fucking oh. quick silver bit. What a cultural moment! <laughs> that <laughs> that was the craziest thing to happen in television that was, all year. As they say, sick tits. That was sick amazing. Sick tits. That that was absolute insanity. And like, yep. listen, didn't quite work out the way everyone wanted it no. to. <laughs> sort of set the internet and the Marvel fandom on fire for a couple of weeks there. Yeah. But but. Mm. Fucking hell, what yeah. an episode of television. If I'm wriggling to- in my seat from just remembering <laughs> the excitement I felt. Yeah. I'm so excited, yeah. Just everyone's brains exploded. The internet was on fire. And mm-hmm. like we talk now about how they weren't, that wasn't meant to be WandaVision first, but like the impact this had mm-hmm. of making like Disney Plus and the MCU shows a must-watch thing if you're a Marvel fan, that was the moment where people were like, holy fucking shit, what is happening here? Um, and since then... The, the multiverse has exploded and who knows what this will mean in the long run. Cool boy. But that was that was the episode of television of the year, I think. Um, Master of None, season three, aka Moments in Love. I think chapter four of that um, is possibly the best quality 50 minutes of TV I've seen all year. Um, just a powerhouse performance from Naomi Aki in mm. particular. Really, really wonderful. Just almost as a short film or as a... It's 50 minutes, basically a feature film almost. Um, really fantastic. Another reason to watch that season of television. And also the final episode of It's a Sin. Um, mm. I think I actually was my least favorite episode for half of it. And then I realized what the thesis of the entire show was, basically. It all came into focus. And it brought the story into a devastating, perfect conclusion and one of the best shows on television of the year, and that finale was fantastic. I don't know why you want to keep upsetting me. I don't know why you keep doing it. It is a great show and everyone should watch it, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's too (laughs) upsetting. Uh, Performances of the year. Mm. All right. Uh, Do you want to go one each or what's the vibe here? All right. Uh, So my first is obviously Elizabeth Olsen, I think. Yeah. Vision. it could have been a big flop, but she brings her all to every tone every kind of genre whatever she needs to do she does it and she does it 
perfectly. She is such an asset uh, in that role and in the Marvel universe. Um, so I, yeah, I loved her. I am in love with her. Will you marry me, please? <laughs> uh, speaking of being in love with people, the cast of Succession, um, mm-hmm. Sarah Snook, obviously, but I actually really want to, we've talked before about Jeremy Strong, but Kieran Culkin this season, mm. I thought, season three in particular, was, was fantastic great. and deserves a nom at the Emmys um, for his work this year as well, definitely. Yeah, I, d- I had um, Jeremy Strong mm-hmm. on my list, but I agree the entire cast Basically, is there's no weak link in that show. Yeah, not at all. I just think, um, yeah, what Jeremy Strong did with the kind of the fall, the mm. swift rise and very even swifter fall of, of Kendall um, was really upsetting to watch and just wonderfully performed. Um, but, yeah, so I'll, I'll say Jeremy Strong, even though we've just done two succession people. Okay, uh, the cast of Ted Lasso as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis. All right. And okay, we can't do casts. Okay, well, just Jason Sudeikis and Brett Goldstein in particular, I think. Um, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, who Very is funny. basically mm-hmm. the, my favourite character on television at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason Sudeikis, who I didn't really know his work before. Uh, well, I was aware of him, but wasn't a fan of his work before Ted Lasso, and I think is an amazing anchor on that show as well. Mm. So, the, but the generally, again, that's a show without really any particular weak links. That's a very, very good ensemble sitcom, which mm. um, which I always appreciate as well. All right, so I've got a. All right, so you did two people, so yep. I'm going to do two people: uh, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, who are the dynamic duo that bring us Pen Fifteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very hard to pull off as grown women being extreme teenagers and an authentic representation of teenagers. Not like an adult's version of what it is to be a teenager, but a real teenager. Like they're going mm-hmm. for authenticity and they they fucking kill it. Like you, you see that there are obviously moments where I'm like, that's a grown woman about to kiss that young boy. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I... I I feel that they are what they are presenting to be. They are teenage girls. Um, the the things they do with their their body, the way they hold themselves, um, their inflection, the goofiest smiles in the world. It all just comes together, and I just think, yeah, they've outdone themselves every, every year. They just get better and better in terms of their performance. Uh, the I know we can't do cast. I'm going to say two people though. Okay. I was say the cast of White Lotus, but particularly Jennifer <laughs> Coolidge and Murray Bartlett mm, in that great. as well. Um, they were the highlights, I think, in what was a great ensemble cast performance. But Jennifer Coolidge in particular, I've really come to appreciate oh, after this. So good. And Murray Bartlett, I hope gets to do a lot more work. And so hearing he's been cast in The Last of Us, exciting mm. too. I'll be interested to see what he does with that role. He's so um, good. So good. He yeah, was he's so, so brilliant good. in that. Yeah. yeah. All right. I've got one more. I've got um, four, so go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so the last is Gene Smart. Yes. I, like Hacks was so good and a huge part of that is her and her performance. Um, she, I mean, it's really hard to act to be, like act as a comedian. It's one like oh, if the writing isn't like 10 out of 10, you, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, the writing on this show was really, really good, but certainly helped well on its way by Jean Smart's performance. I believed that she was a comedian and a, well, a well-versed a well comedian. She's seen it all. Um, 
but she also, for a very tough lady, really showed huge amounts of vulnerability in incredible subtle ways. There's there's so much subtlety in Jean Smart's performance. Um, yeah, I, I found her performance moving, hysterical, everything it needed to be. Um, and she, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role in Hacks. I also want to give a shout out to Naomi Aki in Master of None. I already mentioned that she mm-hmm. was the centerpiece of my favorite episode of that season, one of the best episodes of television for the year, but she was wonderful. Um, Martin Short in Only Murders in the Building. Oh my God, what a delight. I didn't always love that show, but I always loved what Martin Short was doing in that. Mm. Um, he, he makes anything funny. He's such Absolutely. a funny man. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Gillian Anderson and Hayley Steinfeld for being the busiest women in television. Gillian <laughs> Anderson was in Sex Education and The Great this year, and Hayley Steinfeld was in Arcane, Hawkeye, and Dickinson this year. In fact, <laughs> in November. Um, so, yeah, busy, busy years, both doing excellent work. Biggest disappointments of the year. All right, I've got two. How many do you have? Oh, like six. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, because I think when in, when I think about disappointments, it means not necessarily just something that I didn't like, but something that I had high expectations for. Yeah. Therefore, I was disappointed. So uh, the first one I've got to say is We Are Lady Parts. Um, because Because right. sure. I did have those high expectations. Um and it seemed right up my alley. Like, it seems like something that I would like. However, I just could not connect to the characters. They, you know, seemed like caricatures. Um, it was oh, – I also hated the music with a passion. I really did not like it, which, you know, is a big part of it. And that got in the way. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, now, I'll certainly check out the second season because I want this show to, to be good. Oh. I mean, that's subjective. I want it to be a show that I enjoy. It, yeah. it wasn't in season one. I was really disappointed about that. But I, I still have hope and I, I will try again. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to start with, for a similar reason, because mm. I the, the premise seems so good. I thought I was going to love this show. I'm really disappointed by how it turned out. Kevin Can Fuck Himself season one mm. was a real letdown for me. I know we don't agree on this mm-hmm. at all. I'm not but, saying anything. Yeah, but I... It, I I was shocked by how poorly used the premise was. Um, and I still don't think they really knew what they were doing. I think the fact that we know they're only getting one more season is interesting. Um, it kind of makes me want to check it out, at least for the sake of the podcast, <laughs> mm. to see if they can... Maybe they got to a point at the end of that season where they can do something interesting with its premise finally, but it wasn't in season one. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Can Fuck Himself was a real letdown for me. All right, so my next one, I don't think anyone's going to be particularly shocked by this, but it's obviously Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, WandaVision is a really hard act to follow. True. Um, But I also knew that just watching, simply watching the trailers, I knew that WandaVision looked interesting to me, Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't, and that Loki did. So I already knew that mm, it might not be for me, but after WandaVision I was like, I mean, maybe it's just the trailer, but maybe like they, they are going to be doing something that will hook me in. Um, they didn't. Because, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was just, yeah, like I said, coming off the back of WandaVision, which was, you know, inventive and emotionally impactful. And then I started watching this and it just felt like a paint-by-numbers action spy superhero story. And it kind of felt and looked cheap. In, in some instances, yeah. which was shocking because that's not the kind of standard I 
have for Marvel, and that goes back to when we're talking about disappointments, expectations. Um, you know, it, it was about characters we know, but they're just going from plot point to set pace, and it didn't enrich my appreciation for either Sam or Bucky at all. Oh, I just think it's a real missed opportunity. And like you said, there there were cool elements, like how we have Black Captain America, interesting do way more with that. That's sure. way more interesting yeah. than them traveling from random place to random place. Playing, um, again, boring villains in the yeah. Flag Smashers. Like, just and, totally underexplored and underutilized. Oh, Flag Smashers. Such a bad name and a bad concept. Also, like, you know, the this kind of new Captain America who isn't Steve Rogers mm-hmm. and can't possibly hold, um, hold up those ideals because just simply not who he is he's not capable of it and make some really fucked up decisions and what does that mean for people who who knew captain america um there was there were interesting elements in there but it just fell flat at almost every opportunity for me i was so disappointed at how paint by numbers it was i think it's highs were relatively high but then what was disappointing for me with that show is it didn't do enough with them. It's like, mm. if, okay, you got that moment, you got that idea, you've got that symbol, and then now, now go further with it. Now, mm. now do, and then that I think the finale of that is particularly awful. Particularly what they do with what's his name, Wyatt, the guy mm-hmm. who took over as Captain America. Like the redemption they give him in that last episode is fucking awful, vomit worthy. Um, Wait, do they give him redemption? Yeah, he got. He has a. He fights alongside. Uh, oh, that's right. And he, th- yeah, the thing falls down. Yeah, yeah. But then also we get a hint of maybe some nefarious stuff happening. Yeah, at the end there. Yeah. They seem up for some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, I got a few more. Bump mm-hmm. was oh. really talked up. Oh my god! And I would like to review so more Australian content. Um, I know season two has just arrived. I, have I did zero consider interest. writing Bump down. Yeah. Because I, I, a lot of people talk about it and loving it. I just could not get on board Bump on virtually any level. I think it is really poorly, poorly written and directed. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Um, it's bad. And the and fact- season two has just come out and there's fucking posters for Bump everywhere. And yeah. I just want to grab people in the street, say, don't watch it. It's a waste of your fucking time. But it's what that's the, that's the shame is, is like, I would, I'm, I think is, I think there actually might be some Australian te- television we should be watching. Like, the, the news one that was on recently, Newsreader or whatever it was mm. with Anna Torv and stuff like that mm-hmm. I've heard really good things about. The problem is I sometimes I struggle to trust that when people tell me that Australian television is good, that's actually good because I keep getting burnt like with Bub. Mm. It's like, no, it's not good. What are you talking about? And then, Should we watch The Tourist? Angela's watching that at the moment. She's enjoying it. Maybe. It's on we can Stan talk about that well, later. So yeah, we can. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But this is why I'm hesitant to do it. Cowboy Bebop. Because oh, yeah. it shouldn't exist, but then I got my hopes up. Then they're yeah. fucking advertising that mm-hmm. one good two-minute, like, um, uh, like example sort of short version of an episode, whatever it was. The Lost Session was mm. so effective. I was like, holy shit, they might pull this off. And then it was utter trash. <laughs> just like the worst TV of the year just about for us. Yep. Um, really didn't like that. I was a bit let down by Invincible, but not, but not enough to talk about it in depth, but I didn't, wasn't nearly as high on that as other people were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a braver man than I. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, this- I don't certainly don't disagree with you. 
20 years later, but I, you know yeah. what? Don't don't quite get the hype for that show. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, feels a bit slow and I don't know, not quite of the time. Wonder why. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, I know. We're, yeah, fair to say, respect it. Influential on Monday television. Bit like Susan Kane, wouldn't watch it again. Put it that way. <laughs> um, why the last man? Because it got fucking cancelled. Oh yeah. Um, mm. It tragic. I probably he didn't set the world on fire. I don't think it's the best television we watched all year, but it wasn't terrible and it ended had in potential. A way I'll give it, it certainly that. had potential it had and potential. maybe could have been going some very interesting places. I think as a piece of adaptation, it was very good and I really mm. liked the updates they made to it for the most part to the graphic novel series that I'm a big fan of. And I guess on one level, at least I don't have to worry about this anymore. I don't have to get my hopes up. Oh, they're making a Why the Last Man movie. Or, oh, they're making a Why the Last Man TV show. They did it. It didn't last. Move on with my it's life. It's the hope and that kills you. Absolutely. It's the hope that kills me and the hope is gone now, <laughs> dead and buried. So let's move on. At uh, JT Gay Me on Twitter also had a low light. Maybe I've lived in pure comedy world so long that it, I'm ruined for anything else. But White Lotus stressed me out and was hard to enjoy. I just wanted to get to the end so I could see them all end up miserable and also (laughs) never see them ever again. I like Quinn and Melinda, though. And the White Lotus felt like a bad place neighborhood from the good place because they were in Hawaii, in paradise. But they were stuck in a lackluster hotel with the same miserable people. You don't go to Hawaii to spend the whole trip at the hotel. (laughs) My experience with Lotus reminded me of Damascus' experience with Search Party, except Mm. that I like Search Party. Maybe when Search Party started, I was in a different place emotionally and could handle the cringe. But rewatching it now is tough at times. Um, mm. I understand that. I, to- I totally get that. I can see how that could be someone's reading of White Lotus and that would be their experience. I, I don't begrudge them that at all. And in fact, after episode one of White Lotus, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it either, mm-hmm. but it grew on me over time. But I totally, totally understand um, why you might not be feeling the hype the same way that other people were, certainly. Yeah. Biggest surprises of the year, Damask. All right, well, the first one has to be Arcane. Has to be. I, I did not see it coming at all. Like, I hadn't heard a, a whisper about it, um, but I just came up on my Netflix thing being like, this just came out, you should watch it. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm a little desperate for something like sci-fi, fantasy, steampunk, just anything fantastical um, or a bit different. I was like, oh, God, I just need something. Um and it fulfilled every one of those needs. It was visually stunning. It was mm-hmm. captivating. I found the story exhilarating. It's It was truly unlike anything I'd ever seen previously. I'm so excited for the next season. I just like, it was so, it felt like a real gift because I didn't expect it. It was like a nice little surprise. Um, and I, it just made me so happy to like feel that passionately about something that I wasn't expecting to be passionate mm-hmm. about. Um, yeah, it was a real gift for this year. Even though I didn't love it, I can't not respect it, at least on a production level. Like the mm-hmm. animation is is incredible. And the fact that um, it comes from a video game mm. franchise yeah, and, and to be the quality that it is, is truly surprising. Um, so, yeah, 100% agree with that. What else was a big surprise for you? Um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because I had absolutely given up on that franchise it'd been so boring for so long um but as we know uh real housewives is another franchise that has gone into the true crime 
documentary territory uh, and this show really benefits from it because I think there's two types of Real Housewives at the moment. There is groups of women who have genuine connections and interpersonal drama or groups of women who are pretty tangentially, strenuously connected to one another with not a whole lot going on, but at least one of them is a serious criminal. <laughs> They're the two. That's that's. They're the two types of um, franchises, and thankfully, Beverly Hills um, had a. Well, she wasn't a criminal, but her husband was. So that was fun, you know, just getting into the this franchise again, um, meeting the. I mean, meeting the new character like Kathy Hilton. Oh my God, what a gem! What a really special lady to have on the show. Simply, you know, we got quotes like "Who is hunky dory?" things like that. That just every time I think of them, it just make me laugh a lot. Um, yeah, so that that has been a really nice surprise because it's always sad for me when I have to drop off a Real Housewives because currently I dropped off New York and that's now been put on indefinite hiatus because pretty sure everyone was just like, "This is not good." Um, because it's full of old racist losers. Um, <clears throat> Ramona, get her off my TV screen. So it's nice when it's almost like a, a revamp, I suppose. And so that's been really good. And that was a nice surprise this year. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say Ted Lasso was a surprise mm-hmm. because as much as people talked it up, I just didn't believe that I would like it mm. that much. I didn't believe the hype, especially because it was about, it was centered around a sport that I don't give a fuck about mm. in soccer. But everyone was right, and I fucking love it. It's one of my favorite shows on TV at the moment. Um, also, White Lotus was a surprise because that just came out of nowhere for me. It was just like mm. everyone was just talking about this show, and there didn't seem to be any build-up. It felt like, I don't know, just HBO just crapped out this show out of nowhere, and everyone was talking about it all of a sudden. And I mean, like, they you know pretty what? much did, and yeah. We, yeah, well, it kind of the way it happened is kind of fascinating yeah. like that, right? Like, it exists basically because of COVID. COVID. <laughs> yeah. And so They're that, like, can you write us something where we can be isolated and get it out? Like, Absolutely, sure. and that and something really great in mm. our opinion uh, came yeah. from that. So that is a huge surprise, I think. Um, did you have any other surprises? I just had one more, so yep. that's not true. I've got a lot more. <laughs> I just, I just scrolled it. down on my list. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we've spoken about it briefly already. But Master of None season three, yeah, was a nice surprise. And I did seem to come out of nowhere. I didn't remember the build up to that either. There was a show no. we were waiting years for a sequel to, and all of a sudden. Bam, there it was. Yeah, and I just felt like, you know, pretty over Master of None, had no desire to go back, and then to have enjoyed it as much as I did was, mm-hmm. yeah, a really nice surprise. So I've got brand new cherry flavor. Um, so this is, once again, just popped up on Netflix. It was bizarre. It was scary and entirely unpredictable. Um, I can't, I'm not even going to bother explaining the premise of this show because it's, off the wall, uh, but I was fully into it and every episode brought more intrigue and also disgust. It is full of body horror. And now I'm not talking about like torture porn shit. I'm talking about like, you know, like 80s vibe where you like, it looks fake, you know it's fake, mm-hmm, but it's like mm-hmm. just playing with what's a, what's a nightmare you could have about something happening to your body. It's that kind of stuff. Uh, which was gross, but also fun. Yeah, it was just a really interesting show. And yeah, unlike uh, really anything I've seen. Cool. Next one is This Way Up Season 2 came out. So I missed Season 1 uh, when it came out. So I've, I watched both this year, technically. Um, so it's by Aisling B. Um, she's the lead in it. Uh, it's kind of, 
I mean, I hate when people compare things to Fleabag, but I guess that's, sure. just, that's just kind of what you do now. Um, if it's a show Fleabag about... Fleabag is the dark souls of TV shows, basically. Yeah, it's like, you know, if it's about a single woman who is struggling in her relationships and just general personal life, mm-hmm. you compare it to Fleabag. Um, it is a very funny show. It's got a f- really lovely um, representation of a sibling relationship that is a, a lot of fun to watch. Like I laughed out loud a lot when I watched this show. Um, so, yeah, it's just about this woman who, you know, is quietly falling apart in a lot of ways but has a great sense of humour about it. And, yes, yeah, so I watched season one and two this year and I loved, loved, loved both. So that was a nice surprise as well. And finally, uh, Schmigadoon. I'm not sure if you've watched Ooh, that one, bro. No, but um, after watching West Side Story, I want to give Schmigadoon a go because uh, the actress I mentioned earlier when I was talking about West Side Story, she's in Schmigadoon. Oh, um, yeah. I think she plays a school teacher, probably. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Schmigadoon was just pure joy, <laughs> really. it was. It's very, very, very silly. Very silly show. It doesn't take itself too seriously at all um it almost feels like a special event you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like yeah it's a special event musical mini series it feels like um it's very american but it's meant to be because it's those kind of classic broadway musicals it's very warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. it's a great way to spend the evening just like i know watching dinner and watching a really happy episode of schmigadoon is great Not eating dinner just watching dinner did I say watching dinner? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Who doesn't? Fuck watching you, dinner, bro. Watching dinner, eating TV. <laughs> 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 I make mistakes all the time, but that was a beauty, that one. Oh, thank you so much. I just, <laughs> look, it might be time to finish the podcast after two plus hours. Oh, my God. True. Um, <laughs> fuck you, bro. Uh, but also, uh, back to Schmigadoon. Uh, when <laughs> The greatest meal on television. Um, <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth is also has a great performance of a song called Tribulation in one of the episodes, which is it's oh, like a, yeah, a one shot. Fantastic! Yeah. It's very good, but so much of it is just a lot of fun. And yeah, if you're in a bad mood, and need like just a a pick me up that isn't going to hurt your brain too much. Schmigadoon's the way to go. Awesome. Steve Jeffrey uh, on Twitter had a biggest surprise of the year as well. Pleasant surprise of the year, possibly Hawkeye, uh, like mm. aside from Kate Bishop, uh, he's nobody's favourite Avenger. But a stellar performance from Hayley Steinfeld along with Florence Purr and Alakwa <laughs> Cox. Uh, Alakwa Cox managed to actually make me care more Kate and Yelena, please. And that's fair. I, you know, as I said, we aren't reviewing it because we didn't mm. have that much to say about it. Yeah. But yeah, I... Have n- oh, no when real- there's like another series and Kate and Yelena are together and the sexual tension. Well, I like the idea. Like, where are we moving on from our previous Hawkeye and previous Black Widow, and this is our new Hawkeye? Yeah. And new well, I, that Black felt Widow, like that's that, what like- they were setting up. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, the the kids are playing together. They're new best friends. Yeah, it's great. totally. All right, most anticipated shows of 2021. I want to start with just <laughs> looking back quickly at what was on our list last year that did come out this year and whether okay. they lived up to our anticipation oh, or not. cool. You've done the um, research. Well done. Yep. Uh, well, it was just an easy thing of copy and pasting the uh, same document from last year and then oh, starting there. There you go. Uh, Vision was highly Brilliant. anticipated. Worked yep. out pretty well. Falcon the Winter Soldier, not so mm, much. Yeah. Loki. Yeah. Yeah. So, two out of three for 
for Marvel there. Why the Last Man? Eh. It was it was okay, but ultimately heartbreaking for you. Yep. Cowboy Bebop was on that list somehow. Um, <laughs> no. And the other one was American Crime Story Impeachment. Didn't even bother watching Which came out, it. but we didn't watch, so yeah. got no I just really no one was talking about it, so I was like, I feel like if it was good, I would have heard about it. Came up a couple of times towards the end, people were talking about it again, but it hasn't left the same impact that the O.J. Simpson mm. one did, certainly, or the Versace yeah. one. Uh, still, ones we're still waiting for that was on our list last year. Oh, wow. Okay? Mm-hmm. Atlanta season three, which is lovely, <laughs> which is good news because we know mm, it's coming. It's coming relatively soon. Yeah. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four, also wow. mere Fucking weeks hell. away. So that's good. But there are three others that are slated for this year, I believe, that we don't have release dates for yet. Or maybe The Mandalorian season three we know is meant to be coming at the end of the year, I think. Mm. Mandalorian season three. Russian Doll season two, which has mm. been in production. I've seen stills. That should be coming this year, you would think, because I'm pretty sure yeah. that at least started if it hasn't finished production. That's right. I'm Are happy you- for them to take their time and make me another wonderful season. That's okay. Totally. And Barry season three. I think oh, in a where recent- the fuck is Barry? I think there was a recent- Is, that, is Barry on HBO? I can't remember. But it yeah, was there so. was a recent like uh, clip of like- there was like shots from Westworld season four, not on this list, and mm. um, a few other things like that. And there was a shot from Barry season three. It was nothing oh, cool. of consequence, but I was like, okay, yeah. it exists. It's, it's coming. Yeah. That's good. So Thank we should God. be getting Barry season I'm three. I'm going to have to rewatch well. all of Barry because I don't remember shit. Yeah, at least the last episode or something yeah. like that, the last season. Um, but are you still excited for those ones? Atlanta, Mrs. Maisel, uh, Russian Doll, The Mandalorian, and Barry? Yes. Weirdly, I, I don't know why. I'm not as excited about Mrs. Maisel. Oh, have you watched the preview clips yet? No, should I? There's There were four. They're just like little like minute long scenes. Mm. They, 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 and maybe they sort of give you an idea of what the season might be about for some of the main characters. Mm. I watched those and was like, fuck, I can't wait. Because it, it just... Felt like Mrs. Maisel, okay. which is you're right. Maybe I just need to jump back fun. into the tone of it. And I'll be like, okay, cool. I, yeah. yeah, watch those four clips. It's like, yep, fair enough. Sign me up. I'll be there February eighteenth. All right, I'll, I'll be do watching. that. I'll do that. Um, anything on your list that we haven't mentioned yet that you're looking forward to? Uh, so the most anticipated shows of next year, or yes. this year, I should say. Yes. Oh, I've got like a big list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I'll start with the one that I know you definitely aren't interested in. So. Weirdly, over this past year, I got really into the Orville. The which, Orville? No, that's cool. Yeah, um, which like it started off being like, okay, this is like a bit of a silly Star Trek mm-hmm. thing. But then I got more and more into it and it really did feel like genuine old Star Trek. Obviously, now there's new Star Trek shows coming out and they're very like cool and modern and blah, blah, blah. Whereas the Orville still feels like things I watched when I was younger, like that kind of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really got into it. So the Orville New Horizons is coming out this year. New and I'm Horizons. Pumped. And I'm pumped. Oh. And I don't know if um, that's going to be a new cast of characters. I fucking doubt it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I, I, I was devastated when I, I had watched all of the Orville because I was binging the shit out of it so i'm excited for for more of it because i i just love the tone the innocent tone of the show yeah it really got to me cool um what else uh the crown 
Yes, Pretty excited Crown about that. Season five, that was on my yep. list as well. That'll be uh, that's wonderful. been fantastic so far. And new cast, obviously, for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be very interesting. Yes, and the quality has been so good so far. How could it not be great? All right, this one I'm, I'm sure you're also not into is uh, The Witcher Blood Origin. Mm-hmm. So it's I really enjoy series. Yeah, something like that. Um, so it's it's in the world that I've come to really enjoy. Um, you know, more fantasy is 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 good in my books, which brings me to the next two, which mm-hmm. is obviously Lord of the Rings series. Yes. Very interested to see how that goes. Now, in I've, terms of anticipated, I have wary expectations, yes. but I am anticipating. Um, I am. Yeah, I, I, I want to see it. I want to get my eyeballs on it. If, if it's good, it could be really good. That's yes. the thing, right? But yes. I am very wary as well. Mm-hmm. I just recently... As we were doing a jigsaw puzzle, actually, rewatched mm. Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers with Steph. We need to do Return of the King now. Holy fucking shit. Those movies are st- immaculate. They still yeah. hold up. And The Hobbit is so bad. That trilogy is so bad. Awful. And mm. made by the same people, ostensibly, that you can't not be a little hesitant, but also a little bit excited going forward for a TV yeah, show. Yeah, I think what helps that hesitation for me is knowing the circumstances around how the hobbit was made Mm -hmm. uh, makes me go well i can see why it would be so bad if they were the circumstances if they've been given enough time and have people who love the world and the stories and are dedicated to i really doubt it will be as bad as the hobbit is because they are horrific i think about the way that people are now doing the star wars stuff on tv Mm. And it's like they've they've been past the torch. They've been fans their entire lives. It's mm-hmm. like if you grew up loving the original trilogy, you're going to pour, pour your heart and soul into that. As long as they understand what made those movies magical, yeah. then we could do well off here. And so another fantasy one is... Now, I don't know how I feel about this, but I definitely want my eyeballs on it, is House of the Dragon, which is yeah, obviously yeah. the spinoff of Game of Thrones, the prequel, whatever... Um, I have that in my. I'm curious about, it and we'll definitely be checking it out. Yeah, yeah. Least. That's that's what that's. I've got a few of those in in this list. Um, yeah, I just wanna. I want to see what they're gonna do there. Can mm. can this world be redeemed? Yeah. Um, can they? Can they bring even, us back? Yeah. Does it have the cultural cachet still to mm. actually get us to care still? Because it it really does surprise me how quickly it went from being the biggest thing in the entire yeah. world to. Everyone forgot about it afterwards. It was so disappointing. The ending. I think if the pilot is strong, it'll be fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. So I think I just everyone, you know, will probably be anticipating wants wanting to write, you know, the the redemption of whatever, like this world or whatever. Like, oh, it's 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 back and it's great and it's you know amazing. Um, we can move on from how terrible Game of Thrones ended. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping for the best. But I'll, I'll definitely check it out, even if it is the worst thing that's ever been made. What else? Um, so let's have a look here. Oh, a league of their own, obviously. Yeah, that Fucking was that was like that. top of my of my new shows that haven't got an existing season list. That's the one I'm probably most anticipating. Yeah, I think I'm fascinated because that movie is so important to me, um, and I love like the creatives behind it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very very keen to check that out. A little apprehensive because I'm worried sure. like what if it's not good but so, so far I, I, I have faith that it will be um, now you mentioned a couple of things earlier in the podcast like Miss Marvel Obi-Wan Kenobi She-Hulk um, mm-hmm. very interested in 
all of those. Yep, um, all for me I, as well. Particularly Obi Wan Kenobi, mm. like that could be truly epic because pe- people already have an attachment to Ewan McGregor and that yes. character. Yeah, and I think. He was the best part of the prequels in a lot of ways, and so it'd be nice to see maybe him get a show or a story that he deserves, that that mm. performance deserves. I'm really excited about that. Um, She-Hulk in particular, as we've said multiple times, if, it, if they can do like the superhero meets legal drama mm-hmm. TV show... That could be the so much fun. It's not even. It's that could be incredible. Yeah, yeah really. Don't do what Daredevil did. Is my advice. Um, mm, good point. In terms of video game shows coming out, which is a thing now, we've got Halo and The Last of Us. Yep. Because uh, Halo, because I used to play that when I was in high school, and The Last of Us, because I sucked at the game, couldn't <laughs> play it, barely got anywhere in it, but I do want to enjoy the story, so that'll be cool. So Halo, I'm interested in a lot to see how well that video game world can translate to a TV show and whether mm-hmm. it can, whether that world and that that lore and that story and even the character of Master Chief works outside of a video game. The last of it, so I put that in the curious about rather than truly anticipating pile for me as well. And The Last mm-hmm. of Us as well, because I think The Last of Us is an overrated video game that has a very good storyline in it, but does it need a TV show? Does it need to exist? Does it need to be adapted? It's pretty successful at telling its story. It does for me because I can't it. play the game. <laughs> well, that that might be the reason for it exist because I, I think that's a really overrated video game to play through. Um, but the story is excellent. Mm. I also worry, though, that it's it fits squarely in that post-apocalyptic genre of television shows, of which there are too many. I just started um, watching Station Eleven today. Oh, yes. So I'm looking forward to see how that goes. Apparently, it's meant sure. to be really good. And so far, I've it's heard interesting. Good things as well. Cool. I think Steph liked the book. Can't remember. Um, what else? I th- Yeah, I think that's it for me, really. Yeah. Okay. A few that I'm looking forward to uh, that we haven't mentioned yet. Cheer is getting a second season. The documentary series on Netflix, oh, Cheer. Oh, yes. Forgot about that. That's coming I out really soon. Really soon. That mm-hmm. came out of nowhere for me. I'll probably check that out because I was surprised by how much I liked I'm- Definitely the watching the second season. season. 100%. Interesting to see how COVID has affected them as well. And there was a lot of post-documentary drama around some of the, mm. the characters. They do mention that, that in the trailer. It mentioned? Okay. Yeah. So, that should be interesting as yeah. well. Hack season two, we're getting, that, I believe, is coming this year as well. Fuck so yeah. That's exciting. Stranger Things season four is definitely coming this year. And it's been a big break. But so far, I've liked, really liked two out of three seasons of Stranger Things. So, mm-hmm. hoping that's good. Harley Quinn season three coming this year. We need to get season two first in Australia. <sighs> yeah, look, but... as an Australian, I'm just desperate for season two. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, at JT Me is looking forward to Search Party season five. They mm-hmm. did mention Search Party earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be the final season of Search Party. Uh, I'm also excited about Abbott Elementary. Have you heard about Abbott Elementary? No. It's an ABC American mockumentary sitcom series. Think the style of like The Office or Parks and Rec Mm. uh, about a Philadelphia public school and Grand Crew, which is an NBC comedy starring Nicole Byer about, quote, a group of black friends unpacking the ups and downs of life and love at a wine bar, end quote. Oh, I did Um, see Nicole Byer posting. About yeah, that, I just actually. Yeah, because I had not out. heard of I hadn't heard of Abbott Elementary or Grand Crew before mm. JT gave me mentioned it. Um, so I went and watched the trailers for both of them, and both look interesting. I think certainly worth checking out. Um, and new shows that I'm looking forward to the After Party, which is coming out really soon, which we mentioned yes, a couple of times. Absolutely, that trailer looks great. Really, all star-studded cast. 
Um, Lord Miller behind it. How can it be bad? The Legend of Vox Machina, which is actually got its release date moved forward to January. So it's coming out sooner than anticipated, which is really exciting too. What's that one? That's the uh, Critical Role animated series. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Awesome. Uh, that's going to be pretty soon too. Ben just showed me, friend of the show, uh, Ben, who will be on to review um, The Legend of Vox Machina as well, showed me a clip the other day. It does look very good. And mm. I'm curious about- For reference about- to people at home, he's our Dungeon Master. Correct. Dungeon Master for our D&D game. Uh, I'm also curious about How I Met Your Father, season one. Which we'll definitely be oh. reviewing because Hillary Duff's in it. So it's just Liz Paul McGuire. will be on for the episode too. I'm sure. Reboot. Yeah. Uh, the Sandman, which is another uh, Neil Gaiman adaptation. That's why I didn't put it on my list because, like, you sure. can't do the only successful Neil Gaiman thing that I can think of on the top of my head is Stardust. Everything sure. else is terrible. Well, Good Omens was good. It had Wasn't good great. parts. It was good. And but season two of that is in production now, which is pretty stuff amazing. Just doesn't work. It doesn't work yeah. on film. And I think Moon Knight is meant to be coming out, but I don't know as much about Moon Knight as um, the other Marvel shows. That's the one with mm. Oscar Isaac's in it yeah. as well. Um, so anticipating that as well. Um, and there's one TV special I'm looking forward to as well: uh, the Guys of the Gal- Galaxy Holiday Special. Um, which will only be a one-off, I'm sure. But I fucking love Guys of the Galaxy, so need to check that out. I've heard good things. Apparently, Peacemaker is quite good. People who have seen early stuff of that, okay, cool. so I'll probably check that out as well. Uh, GJ Corbin wrote, "I'm most looking forward to hunting seasons reviewing Black Sails season two. <gasps> Look, I would actually like to do that, but I wouldn't mind getting around back to that because season one ended in such a strong way. Mm. We could- I was surprised by how much I loved that show. Yeah, yeah, by the end of it, and we haven't got back around to it. I feel like we're teasing G- GJ by talking about it like that because it's going to be a busy year. I but- know. It's, that's the thing, GJ. It's not because we don't want to. It's just so hard to fit things in the schedule. But um, We could make that our prestige try. show. It, would, it doesn't quite fit the criteria. Well, that would be a like- lie, though. Rod, <laughs> we would be lying to people. It's good. I like it. But it's not a prestige show. As we wrap up, what plans do we have for next year with the podcast? We're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be back through the rest of January. We'll be back early February sometime. We're yep. taking a step back. We need time to recharge a bit. I'm starting a new job and need to concentrate on that for that a while. That too, actually, yeah. Putting that in perspective, it might be mid-February before we mm. even do our first podcast. So could be waiting a few weeks there. Sorry, guys. Um, we're going to be getting rid of the spoiler warning bit, as in the bit where I go, spoiler warning from here on, we'll be re- referencing everything that happens. You have been seems, warned. It mm. seems redundant. We had fun doing it, but it kind of is just the same thing on repeat now. Yeah. We already do the like the ad beforehand and mm-hmm. say we're about to do spoilers. So I think that's enough. Yeah. If not, let us know. But the plan is that we're probably just not going to do that next mm-hmm. from now on. Um, we've got to figure out what pre- our next prestige show is going to be, as we already said. Hopefully, we'll have some more guests. I've got some people that I've um, done some streaming stuff with this year with my brother Liam that I wouldn't mind reaching out to hopefully getting on. Uh, might do some more streaming of our own, both yeah, streaming, recording the podcast, maybe even streaming some video games or something. We've mm, talked a bit about that yes, as well. Please. Maybe we'll add a subscriber tier that offers extra content for people who want it. Might just experiment with that and see if that's something people want at all. And we really don't know what our first episode back is going to be at this stage. Uh, it might be Yellow Jackets. It might be something else. There's a lot of TV still mm. coming out at the moment. Because unlike in Australia right now, it's like this is the – everyone's having a break. In the States, where most of this content's coming from, 
They just keep rolling after New Year's. On and on and on. Just doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see what we feel like when we get back. Please send us our suggestions on Twitter or via email. Um, But that's it for 2021. We have wrapped it up. Thank you very much for listening to this season of Hunting Scenes for this episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic. We look forward to seeing you in February. Catch you later. Bye. Absolutely. 